nine o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Sean Davis. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Ah, beautiful day in Chicago. I'm Mike Murphy, he's Fred Hubner. Nine till noon. A little too sunny for me on the way in. I did. You couldn't nothing. It was right in my face all the way in. Could not get rid of the sun. Yeah, but you had those Venice Beach shades on. You look pretty snazzy. That didn't, that didn't help much. Ah. I'll tell you. It was unbelievable. Busy day. Glad you're with us. It, uh, was, it was only sunny outside because it's sure not sunny with any of the sports teams. We have about 50 pounds to shove into the three-hour show, so let's get rolling. Oh, real quick. Vote at the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. We have a lot of poll action already, so jump in at ESPN 1000. Number one, who were you more disappointed in uh, Thursday night? Simple, A or B. Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, who disappointed you the, uh, the most. Uh, number two, did the Bears look properly prepared, uh, yes or no, to play the Packers? See, not just were they properly prepared, Fred, but prepared uh-huh. to play the Packers. Yep. What they have about uh, eight months to uh, think about. They this had a game. long time. Yeah, they had a long time. Schedule came mm-hmm. out. I don't know what April. Yeah. So yeah, they've had okay. quite a while. And number three was 2018. That would be last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that was 2018 the best year Mitch Trubisky will ever have? I was. Almost hated typing that out on the keyboard yesterday. Was 20, yes or no, was 2018 the best year Mitch Trubisky will ever have? Did you vote yet, Fred? I did. All right. I did. I, uh, I said no. He'll have, he'll have much better years. How about our guy Mark Potash? Today in the, uh, the Sun-Times, Nagy won't pin loss on preseason snaps. That's the uh, headline writer. Our buddy Mark Potash, uh, he writes, well, you know, uh, they looked out of sync from the beginning. Unforced errors, miscommunications, penalties, bad throws, missed blocks. All that had the Bears offense in uh, what he calls a quicksand all night. I would have said quandary in a quicksand, but uh, I like that. Quicksand. But it wasn't just any one play. It was the entire game. I thought he was going to go disarray, but... That's good. Yeah. He who gambles lives in shambles. Give uh-huh. you shambles. Yep. I shouldn't say that after the gambling show, should I? <laughs> hey, no, no, no. You got to have a disclaimer. He That's who right. gambles lives in shambles. So right. gamble at your own risk. Uh, Only gamble what you can afford. Tip of the hat to our great buddy Doug Buffon for that great line many years ago. Yep. Potash Mark concludes it's hard to believe that after all these years. Playing in the preseason suddenly has no impact on the regular season. Game speed is game speed, Mark says. And nothing prepares a team for the process of a regular season game like a preseason game. Nagy's offense, I don't know if they were prepared, but if it wasn't rust, Nagy has a bigger problem. An offense that has regressed in its second season. When it's expected to take a giant leap, let's bring in our special guest, Mark Potash, Bears guy, sometimes. Murph here, Fred there. Hey, good morning, Mark. Thanks for joining us. 
Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. How you guys doing? <laughs> doing Good. okay. Now that we've had a day or so to figure out what the hell happened on Thursday night. And I hope... Uh, I, tell I, them to figure that out. <laughs> and I, I, we hope at, at noon when Murph and Fred's over that we don't feel like uh, we've, uh, Fred, we've been in quicksand all yeah, day. we try not to. <laughs> Mark, so much to digest. And a lot of this surface, uh, you know, items have been uh, scratched and covered over the last 24 hours. But... Uh, There's an interesting word in the English language, and it's simply spelled T-O-O. Too. Too much. You're too little. Too much. Let let me ask you, Mark, in your opinion, for a head coach, especially a a first year, second year. And Fred, let the record show, I said this last year. Uh Is it too much to, these days, to be both the play caller and the head coach? In other words... Not only are you, okay, if this is seven yards and it's second and three, then I got the, and, but are you thinking about bigger, bigger philosophy and game situations? And, well, you know, I'm going to kick the field goal later if we get down there, the wind shift. There seems to be so much on the head, uh, on the plate of a head coach and so much on an offensive play caller. And, uh, I don't know, maybe this is out of left field, but not just Nagy. But could it ever be that it's too much for one guy, or is it not really? Well, I think you can – my first thought is no. But I think you can point to evidence of, you know, McVay like in the Super Bowl last year or Nagy in the playoff game and Nagy in this most recent game. You can say that. My first thought, though, frankly, is no. I think Nagy is a really good head coach. He's actually a better head coach right now than he is a offensive game manager. And but I don't think if he was only the offensive coordinator that he would be any better at like managing a game or an offense. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that really takes away from it. So I think I just think not to avoid the question. I think it's no. hard to tell, but I think there's evidence. There's certainly evidence that you can point to that 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 says that that is true. So um, I'm not sure if that's the issue because you know I think Matt Nagy right now as a game manager is going to have issues no matter what. He's learning. Yeah. And yeah. in this situation that they were in on. On Thursday night, you know, I mean, he, uh, you know, obviously, like everybody else, he was not prepared for the moment. And maybe coaches need to coach preseason games uh, with their first team as well. That, you know, so, you know, that could be a factor. Well, you know, the tale will be told on, 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 on next Sunday, you know, uh, against the Broncos. We'll see if this is kind of a one-off. Um, and I, I guess the, the, uh, I make the distinction between disappointing and discouraging. This game was not only disappointing, it was on the face of it discouraging because it showed, at least on the face of it, kind of systemic issues that this offense has just not done anything. And, you know, we can go through that all day, I guess, and many have, but my point is we'll, we'll know, I think we'll know much, maybe not for sure, but we'll know much more about whether, which way it is when they, when they you know, play the Broncos. And, and we'll see if maybe, you know, uh, you know getting that wake-up call uh, makes a difference or not. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that a lot of people were saying is, well, you know, Nagy did this last year, didn't play his guys, but in your article, and for those who haven't read it, grab it right away in the Sun-Times, Trubisky got 40 snaps, the offensive line got between 37 and 49 last year, and that's that's what was so, and I love the word discombobulated, and you actually have it in the column, um, that's what was so weird, and they made a mention of it on the broadcast, that the Bears had 11 holding penalties on the offensive line last year. They were whistled for four in the game. I mean, if that's not a if that doesn't go back to, you know, not practicing your guys in the preseason, I don't know what does. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and not only it was, I think that's kind of the point of this game is, <clears throat> excuse me, it was not like they were, it's not like just Mitch Trubisky was a little bit off on his passes. I mean, as a team, they were, you know, they, you know, they were just out of sync. And, yeah. and, and I, I'm not saying that, I know that there is a debate, and people have gone, you know, people I respect have gone the other way on this as far as the preseason snaps making a difference. But again, I say, like I said, like Murph, you know, from that story I wrote, I mean, what the NFL's been doing it wrong all these years, yeah. and, and it doesn't matter that you, that preseason snaps don't matter. Why have they been having the preseason all these years? I think it's clear that it makes a difference. Maybe, maybe not that much of a difference, but I think there's no doubt. And again, you know, last year that was kind of paring things down. Last year when they did it, that that was even less than they normally do, but it was still significantly more. It was two full games of preparation, being in a game, playing a game. And doing going through the whole process of a game, and you saw what they did. This was, and that was made that that kind of that was interesting yesterday. Uh, Matt Nagy's response to that when I asked him what why what why this disparity, and you know I'll be honest, it was uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a Wani like response. I mean, it was he pointed to one play, and he was he, to me he fumbled it, and because there really is no explanation of 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 what the difference is and but they they came out better as a first year offense last year on the road than they did this year as a second year offense at home and i think he was trying to say that it was a advantage to them that people that they were in a first year offense last year and that didn't make any sense to me frankly with all due respect that Nagy's been great but i just i just didn't buy that and i just think he doesn't have really an answer for that and I guess we'll know for sure next uh, next August when we see just what he does in the preseason, whether just how he really feels about it. Hold on, Mark Potts. Were you up in our, our pre-show love fest? Because <laughs> Fred turned to me and he said he had a little whiny in him during the presser. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't watching it. I was just listening to it, and I'm saying this sounds like Wanstead because he even started hemming and hawing and sounding there. And I'm going, is this Wani doing the press conference instead of oh, Nagy? God. It was amazing. Let me, Mark. Well, is, to, Nag- to Nagy's credit. Fred, to Nagy's credit, when he doesn't know the answer of a question, he still tries to answer it. But True. he's still—he's not, not trying to. It's not the same thing. I got to right. give him credit. He's trying to answer it as best he can. But yeah. you can always tell. It's interesting. You can always tell when he really when when you're right is yeah. when he when he yeah. fumbles your question like he does. And it's yeah. usually your question, by the way. <laughs> the the other the other thing is really, and, and I mentioned the offensive line and the snaps they got last year and the, the holding penalties and things like that. The offensive line seems to be getting a break because it's so easy for everybody to dump on Mitchell Trubisky. The offensive line was brutal in this game. I I, I, I have to agree with you there, Fred. There's, uh, you're right on both counts. They were bad, and it did kind of get glossed over because there were so many other issues. But I think it all started. I think the perfect example was of, of just of this whole situation was the third one play to Cordero Patterson, uh. which was made to look like a too cute play. Uh, because it just blew up in their face, and it was, right. a, it, it, and, and it failed because uh, James Daniels just totally missed a block, and 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 that's how that's how bad they were, and that's and that's a great example to me of just how that one thing, the offensive line, can make everything look bad. It made Nagy look bad, it made him look too cute. Uh, it just, you know, it blew up the play. I mean, everything went wrong just based on that one thing. So that's the interesting factor. I guess if you want to look at a positive, if the offensive line just kind of reverts back to where they were a year ago, that changes an awful lot of things for Trubisky, for the receivers, for Nagy, play calling, uh, down and distance, everything. So that's one thing you can kind of hang your hat on looking forward to the next game. Visiting with Mark Potash, nice enough to join us on his personal time on a Saturday morning. Our fan focus group Twitter poll 
rolling big right now, voted ESPN 1000 number one. Who disappointed you more on Thursday night, Mitch Trubisky or Matt Nagy? Number two, did the Bears look properly prepared to play the Packers, yes or no? And number three, was 2018 the best year Mitch Trubisky will ever have? Ooh, I even I hated typing that one out last night on the keyboard, yes or no. Mark, a couple of quickies will spring you on your uh, busy weekend. Their last two games the Bears have played now are obviously ones we want to forget about, the Eagles and the Packers. Both games did not have Trey Burton. So maybe it's... Uh, I'm distilling it down too simplistically, but I will anyway. Is the offense impotent without Trey Burton? Now that's you know too simple of a question, but uh, without is there's too much of a trend and similarity between the Eagles game and this game, and Trey Burton's the common link. I've been saying that uh, ever since I saw the Chiefs' offense uh, discombobulate after losing Travis Kelsey. Two years ago, which was you know, which was Nagy's last game with the Chiefs. The the I don't get it how an offense is supposed to be so diversified when the when the tight end goes, the offense goes. That's three times now that it's happened. Murph, uh, my stat, I'll give you my stat of the week. Stat of the week. <laughs> when, got, got a little John Dewan in you there. <laughs> when, uh, when 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 uh, when the when the when Nagy has his t- his starting tight end of the games, uh, going back to that game, he averages two point two points per possession. 172 points and 376. Without it, with with Kelsey out two years ago and with Burton out the last two games, it goes down to 0.8, 25 points Jeez. and 31 possessions. Wow! So it's almost three times. You're almost yeah. you're almost three times more a better scoring offense with your tight end in that offense based on that number, based on that stat, than than without him. So I think that to me illustrates the significance oh. of. Trey Burton or the tight end in Matt Nagy's offense. You know, the two glaring weaknesses over the offseason from the uh, Eagles game, obviously the tight end position, depth or Burton, and number two, the kicker. So that brings us full circle now. They had the whole offseason, and we're still talking about those two positions, Mark, the tight end and the kicker. The 51-yard passing, uh, 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 deciding not to kick, it's been grilled to death over the last 24 hours but let's give you a minute also it uh it, it was he opted to go fourth and ten and then punt so if he talks about field position he was afraid if they missed the field goal it would be of course well 10 yards back where the spot was or, all, or however that eight yards but what were your overall thoughts again on uh, passing up on the uh, uh field goal well, I thought it was just an indication of just his mistrust, and, and I think it's a, to me that's an issue uh, because uh, the explanation is uh, didn't think he it was you know his range was 51. If you have a kicker who can't kick from 51 at any point in any game, unless there's a huge wind weather issue, that's a problem. And to Matt Nagy's credit, he acknowledged that's a legitimate question. You know that's you know that. He has no answer for it, but that's just that's where I guess the best way that's where they are. But I agree uh, that is an issue. Yeah, that was uh, to me not, uh, not not one of the better explanations, and, and just and it also just explained 
uh, to all of us that uh, they still have a kicker problem. Uh, well, and I'm not saying he threw his uh, special teams guy under the bus, but he just basically said, "No, no, no." That was uh, Chris Tabor said that uh, he can't kick from that far. I thought that was weak. He well, shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done it. But uh, it's he, his decision. To be honest with you, I've been criticizing Chris Tabor because no. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm getting, I'm, no, I'm with you. I know. But why did he do that? I know. I'm getting a little tired of everybody saying how he's such a great right. special I teams agree. guy. Because if Tariq Cohen catches one more punt inside the ten. Huh. I mean, I don't understand how how simple it is, uh, Mark, to put your heels on the ten. I know it was something that used to happen in football all the time, but I'm I don't know. I know they got Tariq Cohen, and maybe it's because he hasn't been getting a lot of calls in the offense. But for him to keep fielding these punts deep in their own zone, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I agree. But I will say one thing about about Nagy because uh, I I think yeah, he did kind of defer. He does. I think it's to his credit that he defers to people who know more than he do, he does. Like last year, he basically just put the. He didn't try and convince anyone, even though he was a head coach, that he was a defensive guy, and just said, "Vic, Vic Fangio, put it's, this in your hands. You're the guy." And. He's kind of doing the same thing with Tabor, and he, uh, Matt has acknowledged, I don't know anything about kicking, you know, so, although he's learned a lot, I think he said, but, but, <laughs> but anyway, so I don't, I don't really discredit him for that, for, I don't think he's putting, throwing anybody under the bus, I think he's just, I, I would consider that, you know, deferring to a, to an expert, when a lot of coaches with their ego would try and convince you they're the expert, so right. I, I give him credit for that, but, right. but, 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 but yeah, I, I, Fred, I totally agree with you on that, especially it happened, what, several times yeah. the other day. Yep. And sometimes I think they, they do kind of at least mentally plant their feet on that tent, but they just can't help, can't help themselves from drifting back. And everybody seems to be afraid to do what I think we, you're supposed to do right by the book, is let it bounce inside the tent sure. and see what happens. Because the way the ball has bounced for the Bears uh, recently, <laughs> you just figure it's going to go the other way. Well, there was one, up at the 12. Yeah, there was one punt that they let bounce, and it actually bounced forward. So right, they, they, that, that, right, that yeah. did happen. So, but yeah. that's, it's a good question. It's actually it's a good question of, of of what is the standard now? Is that changed? And does a guy like Tariq Cohn, who's you know like a pinball and can do so many different things, run you know he does so many things against the grain? Uh, does it does he have that kind of freedom to just kind of you know go against the book? And, and maybe they allow him that. I don't know. The but pinball. That, there, there's his new nickname, Tariq the pinball. I like that, Cohen. Well, that's from that one punt return he had uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. last two years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, that just when he went, he did, and it's a good. Actually, that's a good example for this discussion because yeah. he like did everything wrong on that punt return and still got a touchdown out of it. So I right. think that kind of gives him a little leeway to do things against the book. Uh, we just haven't seen uh, any real benefit from it. Uh, at least, well, not this year, obviously, for one game, but in just in general. Mark Pines, Bears guys, Sun Times. Final couple of thoughts. The first play of the game. Here's where he gets too cute. First play of the game. It was like a wildcat, then a shift. Then the uh, pitch, and then the uh, fumble, and the lucky recovery. That so what they've been working on that for uh, three months. Here's what happened. We I think it was pretty evident. Cohen was too near Trubisky, and when he pitched it to him, was like, "Here, catch this!" Like if you're standing two feet from someone, bounced off his shoulder pads. That thing. What? Why did he have to do that? Because a year ago. I tipped my head. First play in his career as the head coach of the Bears. Yeah. The T formation, a doff of the old chapeau, the old chaperu, tip of the hat to George Hallis and the T formation. What was he? What was the thinking on this one? 
you know, I, I, you know, I really don't know. Uh, I think that was, you know, Matt Nagy's going to be Matt Nagy, and that's kind of the point of this whole thing is yeah. he's got a lot of cushion, um, you know, a lot of goodwill after last year to kind of do what he wants to do. And I know he lost some of that the other day, the other night, but he hasn't lost all of it. So uh, I'll be honest, that didn't. Uh, no. But I wasn't off put by or put off by that. I guess as much as much as it illustrated the actual crux of this whole issue we're talking about mm. uh, with the pre, you know pre, if that's not a, a a byproduct of not playing in the preseason, which it probably isn't, it's even worse. It just shows you in the very first play of your game, of the game, you're you lined up to you lined up improperly, and that's just that goes to preparedness, which is a bigger long term issue potentially for this team. So all of a sudden, I'm watching on TV, you're at the game, all of a sudden there's a Deanne Bush. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I, I never saw, I haven't seen Ha Ha yet, Clinton uh, Dix, is he even in the game? Because there had been no action near him, therefore TV, you know, not that he was out of, out of position, he just was never in the screenshot. Now Bush is in there, and two different plays, and they have marched down. Why did they need to give Ha Ha a blow so early in the game, do you think? I think they were trying to show off their depth after having those first three possessions that were so awesome. They thought they had room to, uh, like I said, show off their depth and, and play uh, and play a third safety. And oh. then, you know, and so, you know, I, I'm, I guess I assume the thinking is that, you know, they're saving guys, especially, you know, you know in the, that's why you have a defensive line rotation. I, I have no idea other than it was just a what I call an Aaron Rodgers Jedi mind trick that makes people do stupid things. I like and, that. You know, I don't that's like why, it, but you know, I like That's it. why Vic Fangio, we always say this, so I wrote about this earlier in the week, about I know it's kind of a goofy, you know, tongue-in-cheek thing, but yeah. Aaron Rodgers just has this mystifying effect that forces good coordinators like Vic Fangio to put Craven LeBlanc on, on Jordy Nelson one-on-one at a key moment <laughs> in a game. You know, he... Uh, um, uh, Kyle Fuller led the NFL in interceptions. The one interception he had the best chance for, he dropped against Aaron Rodgers. Mm. It's just, it's just unreal how uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, as good a quarterback as any, is finding your weakness. You put him in a situation where you had a weakness. You had your third safety in there. Why? I know I'm kind of kidding, but yeah. you just have to wonder why is that? Why? Why do these things always happen against Aaron Rodgers? Uh, and, well, and, and I and I guess that's my way of saying I have no explanation, Murph, <laughs> other than that kind of thing. And it's we're, just we're, the power. It's the willpower of Aaron Rodgers to make you do dumb things. Jedi. And speaking of dumb things, looking back at it after Deion Bush doesn't drop back. And they lets the bomb go in there. The defensive coordinator could have easily said, "That's get out of here, Dix, get back in there." Yeah. And then maybe the touchdown pass doesn't happen. But instead, Deion Bush is still in there trying to cover a six-five tight end, which he wasn't going to be able to do. And don't forget, against Aaron Rodgers is a play where the Bears actually had a strip sack and uh. still ended up being a a, a Packers touchdown. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, <laughs> again, it's just uncanny. That's that's the only explanation for why things like that happen. Hey, Mark. By the way, great job uh, Thursday's Sun Times. The Bears. Top 100 players of all time, a beautiful, glossy uh, insert. And you did, as always, a fun and uh, a great job. Also, uh, you had a piece today about some of the craziest special teams plays in Bears history. We won't have time to get to that now. But uh, you know that uh, the, the play card or the laminate, whatever you guys call it, that, that Nagy has, you know, his uh, offensive plays. And, 
right? You, you can see on TV, you know, be be you, you know, which is cool. His son told him that for the Bears interview. Right. Dad, don't worry, just be you. You'll get the job. Could you run down there with a black sharpie and maybe write D O N apostrophe T's on there? Don't be you, because I don't want this to keep happening. <laughs> Well, it's been working for him so far, but that's interesting, Murph, because it sure shows how, you know, people kind of feel like the worm has turned. But that's wow. where we are right now, where there's all this doubt off of one game. And I think that makes that this Broncos game really interesting. It's going to be really almost defining for Matt Nagy. It'll be, it'll be an interesting subject this week. He's going to kind of be the focus. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's Matt Nagy. It's worked for him all this time. Now it doesn't. This is where the Bears are. Bears fans don't miss Mark Potash every day in the uh, Sun-Times. He's down in Bourbonnet. He's been with them for so many years. And uh, we love your uh, uh, perspective and always appreciate your personal time. Now go shopping. Now get out there and do some of the things you uh, haven't had a chance to do for about four months. Go to the cleaners and pick up everything, would you, Mark? I've got a couple stories i got to write, Murph, but, you know, it's football season. It's all good. This is great. This is the best time of year. Finally, we have things to write about. I couldn't be happier about that than any kind of shopping or anything I could do other than that. Okay. Thanks a million. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Fred. Good talking to you guys. What a great day it is today. Sun is shining, and you look outside, and you go, man, I need a new car. What you do is you head on over to Fields. Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview. They'll get you a low price and a whole lot more. At Fields, they want to earn your business. Then we'll never mislead you to get you in. If you see an advertised price at Fields, you go in there, it'll be that price. They ain't changing anything. Head on over to Fields, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, or visit them at FieldCJD.com. Bears fans, you can jump in now, 332 Six. Area code, as always, is 312-332-ESPN. We're going to do 75% Bears today. Jesse Rogers, though, at 10 and Sox talk. But Bears, bang, bang, bang. Uh, Dan Weederer, Tribune Bears guy after Jesse. So stick around. Vote now. A lot of Twitter poll action at ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Busy Saturday. Hope you're having a great day out and about. Maybe you'll run into Mark Potash at the cleaners running his errands. Ah, he says he's got articles to write. He's he got does. stuff going on. He never sleeps. Yeah, you know, the Sunday papers, they don't print themselves. <laughs> so uh, we'll have baseball talk in about a half hour. Uh, phone line's open now for Bears fans. 332-3776. Area code's 312 I see a Bear fan Bob already queued up there in line. We'll get to the phones in a few minutes. Let's bring in Big Bad Sean. Sean, the uh, focus group Twitter polls are rolling. Uh, let's see what the first uh, three of many uh, we will have over the next three hours. Two and a half more. Uh, who disappointed you more Thursday night is the question, Fred. And we have uh, Mitch Trubisky or Matt Nagy. Or as L. Michaels called him all night. Matt Nagy. Everybody is. And and actually, he pronounces it that way, I think. Well, we went through it just two I years know, ago. He's I from know. Pennsylvania. Right. And they reverse all different uh, soft consonants. Yeah. A is E, E is I. And right. So I believe it, I believe his name is really Nagy. N-A-Harde, as we used to say. Like my buddy Terry Hagee, H-A-G-Y. Uh-huh. It's really... I believe Matt, <clears throat> excuse me, Matt Nagy, but it comes out Nagy. But in Pennsylvania, sometimes it's Nagy. Right. So whatever. Yeah. Cap Cap says his name <clears throat> that way too. Cap says Nagy. Well, maybe Cap's from Central Pennsylvania. We don't know it. I I don't know where Cap's from. He <laughs> says he's from here. I'm not sure all the time. 
I always know where Cap's from. <laughs> He's from right there. And what, take that. Take that. Yeah. Cap, nine till noon. <laughs> and company or and friends? Cap and friends. No, Cap and company. Oh, Cap and company. Uh-huh. It was uh, Garfield Goose and Friends. Yes. Okay. Let's bring in... Cap is no Romberg Rabbit, I'll tell you that. No, no, no. Beauregard Burnside. There. Who disappointed you more, uh, Mitch or Nagy? I think this is going to be 50-50, Fred. If I had to vote, and I don't have to because I wrote it, I'm going to vote for uh, Nagy, as disappointing as uh, Trubisky was. Nah, there's no doubt in my mind Nagy was more disappointing uh-huh. because... You expected Matt Nagy to be able to come in and put up an offense out there that was going to be exciting, uh-huh. thrilling. He's got more weapons. He's got Cordero Patterson. He's going to be able to throw to some healthy wide receivers. I mean, Miller got one reception. He had one target. One I mean, target. I don't know how, right. No catches. Yeah, well, that's right. I don't know how yeah. that even happens. Uh, that you can only have him with one target. You want to get, I wanted to get Taylor Gabriel involved earlier. That's what's going to happen, though, when you have um, that many offensive weapons. Someone brought up a great point the other day. Here on the station. Was, was it you? No, it couldn't have been me. Um, <laughs> they said that when you look at Kansas City, Kansas City has a great offense because of a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end. Hmm. And that's basically the Bears have no tight end right now, four or five wide receivers, and like three running backs. Hmm. Maybe there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Funny, okay? funny you should say that because you just used the word T-O-O. Uh-huh. Right? Two. Two. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to follow up on that, but let's uh, bring a... All right, Sean, what the fans say? Who disappointed the fans more, Mitch or Matt? 54% of the fans See? go with Mitch Trubisky. That's close. That's very close. See, there's a lot of people that didn't like Mitch going in, and they don't think of Mitch is the right guy because of what Watson and Mahomes have done, and we're drafting the same draft. And right. Get over it. Ryan Pace is your general manager. He likes Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky is your quarterback until he's not there. So you either get behind him or, you know, you're going to criticize him, I guess, all the way until he does something really well. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form trying to defend Trubisky. The O-line was terrible. Brutal. And And, and I'm getting really tired. If I hear one more person talk about, you know, it's great to have Kyle Long back. Until he makes a play, it's not good to have Kyle Long back. He is the weakest of the five on the offensive line, if you ask me. We have a soundbite of uh, our own uh, Jeff Dickerson on that topic. We'll play a little bit later. But also, two things. And again, not an apologist for Mitch Trubisky. The O-line, terrible. And we'll go through this later in depth. The field position all day was terrible, Fred. And that oh, it's does, brutal. That doesn't help. No, and that part of it is fielding punts inside your own 10. Oh, right, right. But, but of the 12 possessions, six of their 12 possessions yeah. were at the 15 or inside. Now, doesn't four, that... 4, 11, 14. It's terrible. Now, that does handicap, I would guess, or handcuff, yeah. use a better word, the offensive play calling, it cuts right? Down, it cuts down on the plays you can call because yeah. there's certain plays you're not going to call when you're backed up against your own goal Some line. Some that might have a, a bigger uh, risk than yeah. reward. But you yeah. probably aren't going to call a jet sweep when you're on your own four. No, not if There's a good chance you're not going to do that. Yeah, because then you got the ref with his palms over the yeah. top of his head for a safety. So, you know, the, the field position was brutal, mm-hmm. and they didn't get good field position throughout the entire game, and that, that really hurt. Number and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if anybody asked Nagy about that yesterday. I heard most of the press conference, but not all of it. Yeah. But you know, the, getting good field position really changes the way a, a, an offensive guy calls his plays. Did the Bears look properly prepared to play the Packers? Yes or no? So we've never had a 100 uh, percent 
vote. Have we on a, no. a Twitter poll? We've had uh-uh. some 98s, 97s. You think we have one here? 95. I no, want, I, I don't think so. To, I always wanted to see a 100. Yeah. That's why I penned this with the uh, keyboard. You don't really pen it. I keyed it. Uh, what do we have there, Big Bad Sean? You only got 92% of the fans saying <laughs> Okay. No. The, the, they, they were not prepared? Yeah. They weren't prepared, yes. Huh. I think they were phys- I think they were physically prepared, I think mentally. And it's hard to get guys prepared mentally because coaches can give players everything they need to be ready for a game. And when they run out on the field, their heads are up in the sky, they're looking at the uh, you know the, everybody, they're looking at uh, Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collinsworth dressed as if they're, you know, Grantland Rice back in the day. And all of a sudden, like that. they lose their they lose their concept of what the game means. Hmm. They got maybe too jacked to play this game. And I I thought for op- for an opening game of the season, I thought this had as much pomp and circumstance yeah. as they do for most playoff games. Number three was twenty eighteen. That would be last year, Murph. Was twenty eighteen the best year Mitch Trubisky will ever have? It broke my heart to. Uh, uh, enter this as a uh, Twitter poll question, but it had to be done because if the answer is yes, we in big we're in big trouble. Uh, I will say no. It's last year wasn't the best year he'll ever have, but I don't think it's going to be over. I think we're going to have a battle here. What do we have, Big Bad Sean? Fifty-three percent of the fans Ooh, say no. Wow, percent of the fans say no. That's this close. Plus or minus, it's yeah. a dead heat. Yep, fifty-three percent. So we had a dead heat, basically, statistically, on who disappointed you more, Mitch or Matt. And we have a dead heat, basically, plus or minus on now was last year the best year Mitch will ever have. Oh, man. Let's go to the phones. Let's see what uh, Bear fan Bob has to say. Hello, Bob. Uh, Good morning, guys. You know, Fred, you and I are like thinkers. (laughs) I'm going to do something I never do. Agree I with me. ESPN AM, AM one thousand yesterday, most of the day in and out between my service calls, and I listened to Coach Nagy's uh, uh, press conference, and I was about ready to throw up. And thank God I had a service call, so I didn't have to hear it all. I always roll the window down my- in the car as you'd have to do that. Oh, roll the window down first, yeah. So I'm going to call him out, and I'm going to use his words from Coach Nagy's perspective. Here's what it is, and I'm quoting him: his perspective. You lost. Period. Okay? I'm one of the fans who, his words again, was looking down from 30,000 feet. I sat up in those nosebleed seats, and Murph, you know that to be true. I sent you a picture. Nice pictures of the uh, statues and everything. Thank you, Bob. Yep. 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 You know, you lost. Your offense stunk. Your offensive line stunk. That idiot Kyle Long couldn't help himself and tackle, you know, Shaheen. My God, you've got a first and 40. How do you do that? Only idiots do that. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Okay? Your pass packages stunk. You couldn't run the ball, but what, 13 times? What's up with that? You know, the Packers couldn't stop it. You kept getting five yards. So what do we do? We quit doing it on probably the biggest game ever. I'm not so sure a Super Bowl was as big a game as this. This was one game in 100 years, and that's the turd Coach Nagy throws out there. Oh, and my God, uh, Trey Burden wasn't there. 
we don't have anybody else on the team. Last time I checked, there's more than 50 guys on that roster. Somebody else can't run and catch the football and block somebody without a tight end? My God. Bob? The only two good things about that game was the defense <laughs> yeah. and the free bobbleheads. Yes, sir. Bob, after the <laughs> free bobbleheads. Bobble Let the record show Bob got the bobblehead. He was there. What time did you get there? About 1 in the afternoon, 2 o'clock for the, all the festivities? No, we got there about 3 o'clock, uh-huh. and my friend and I, and we went to the NFL experience, which was really nice. nice. I got pictures of the big football and everything, which was really cool. And they had all these interviews, and you could go get autographs and yada, 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 and see all this stuff and take pictures in frames. You know, and it was pretty busy, and it was nice. Cool. And then we got there. Uh, we got down to Soldier Field about 4, 4.30, and we visited a little bit with my buddies uh, down the dial. They got a booth down there. And uh, then we stood in line because it was a good thing we stood in line to get in. The lines were heavy to get in at 5.20 when they opened the gates. That's what a lot of people said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was busy, and I did get to see George McCaskey up by the statues there, and I thanked him for doing a really good job. I was really proud of him, and I still am. I think the Bears will be good. I love your Twitter poll questions, Merv. You know, Trubisky will be all right, you know, when he learns to find the open guy. God forbid he might throw to the open guy because he can't help himself. He keeps throwing into coverage. I can't. I, I don't understand that. I sat up and I watched that. There were open open receivers on most of those plays, and he wouldn't throw to them. Uh. I don't understand it. I don't get it. You probably didn't see that on your TVs. But, you know, I don't know. I didn't watch the game on TV. Good job. Hey, Thanks, Bob. Anyway. Love your fire. Love your comments. Have a great week. and talk right. to you. Have a great day. Right. Thanks. Bye. Did you hear this? Uh, thank you, Bear. So, uh, owner of the Bears, uh, George McCaskey, looked out in the crowd. Yeah. And he said, hey, Bear fan, Bob, can I have your autograph? <laughs> three, three, two, three, seven, you know, seven, the, six. The, the one thing, <laughs> and I understand it's real easy to see a, ga- a replay and see the play and see, hey, why didn't he throw to that guy? He had that guy open. Mm-hmm. If that guy's his third or fourth read, okay, and he gets open, it's difficult to say, okay, my first read is there. I'm looking there. I'm looking there. I didn't have time to look for my third. I didn't see the open guy because that wasn't my initial read. Now, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to figure this out because when he gets to the line of scrimmage, he should be able to see my my first read is going to be covered. They're double-teaming him. They've got him in a great position. i got to make sure I look for this other guy. So he is still a quarterback that's learning. He's not going to do everything that everybody wants him to do. But he's your quarterback. So, you know, you can criticize him all you want, but he's what you got. Fred, we have a soundbite here you're going to love. This is our guy, J.D., Jeff Dickerson, with the cap man, Caparoo, or the the Kaplan, as uh, you Darvish. The Kaplan, as Darvish calls him, right? He's supposed to pitch today. Hope that sore forearm is all right. We'll have Jesse in a few minutes. Everyone on hold, we'll get right to you. But J.D., yesterday, uh, post-mortem, talking about, hey, your offensive line, Fred. Let's listen. This offensive line, with the exception now of James Daniels, has all been paid and paid big money. They just gave Whitehair the extension. Massey got re-signed in the offseason. Leno got a big deal in 2017. Long has made his money, took a pay cut to stay here, but he's already got the money in the bank from the previous contract. And they just got outworked. They got outmuscled. They got just manhandled. Let's go to a John in sure Naperville on ESPN 1000. Hello, Johnson. What's going on, guys? Hey, John. Hey, 
a few questions. Uh, one, Fred, I completely agree with you with Kyle Long. It was terrible, 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 terrible. The other good note, though, that Mitch Trubisky's feet were, footwork well, early in the game seemed to be a little, a lot more settled than normally, so I'm hoping we can build on that once we get some better protection. And two, I just wanted to see what you guys thought about A.B. and asking for his release. And now that he doesn't have any more guaranteed money, would it be plausible to keep him under contract and then if he doesn't want to play, just keep finding him? And like, what kind of ramifications would come from that? And just because I think that whole thing's a, a joke. And I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks, John. Yeah, it is a joke. The whole Antonio Brown situation is, is a joke. You, you understand the player you're getting, he's a really great player, a tremendous player. But um, if you saw what he did last year, Steelers are trying to make the playoffs. He doesn't show up for the game. Uh, there's no way I would have ever brought this guy to my team. And he's a miserable thing for a 53-man roster. Go ahead. use to- Steal Tommy Waddle's line is the juice. Worth the squeeze. Yeah. I love that. Let's I go. always figure I'm going to get it wrong, so I don't use it. <laughs> River North. Bob, right down the street. Hello, Bob. Hey, guys. Uh, I enjoy the show. And um, I, I too, love the poll questions. I have a poll question, and I'm serious about this. I mean, here's where I'm at. I, I, I just don't think Mitch can get it done. He's a great guy, great for the team. I'll be honest with you. I think he might be a better like backup quarterback. And I know that's what he's not here for. But I just, the team's ready to win now, and this is going to sound crazy. Here's my poll question. If if you could bring in Jay Cutler and have him manage the game, <laughs> would you do it? And I would, because this team's ready to win now. We don't have time to, like, you know, like, piecemeal it. And, like, I just don't think he sees the field. I don't think he can find you open guys and ask Thank you. Questions. All right. Hey, hey Bob. Thank you very Thanks, much. Bob. You our, know what? Our first Jay Cutler call of the day. Yurko brought this up yesterday, not bringing in Jay Cutler, but he said Mitchell Trubisky – you make let him be the game manager that he is because he's not going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You want him to be able to distribute the ball and be a game manager. And for the longest time, I have nothing. Game manager to me is not a negative no. uh, concept. It's a positive. You want the guy to go on out there and manage the game and do what he's supposed to do. And if Mitchell Trubisky can do that this year, the Bears are going to be back in the playoffs. Now, if you have a lousy defense, you, you can't win with a... It's tough. Manager. It's tough, yeah. Which brings us here. Vote now. Twitter poll number six for the Bears to reach the playoffs. Multiple choice. How good must the offense be? Excellent, very good, above average, or average. Vote now for the Bears to reach the playoffs. How good must the offense be? Excellent, very good, average, or above average. Back in a flash, uh, everyone on hold will slide you in. Jesse Rogers will hit up some baseball for you top of the hour, and then we'll be right back on the Bears beat throughout the rest of the show. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Glad you are with us. We're trying to help you with that great Saturday. If not, we always strive to do our best. Uh, Phones are jumping. Bears talk. Great visit with our pal Mark Potash in the first half hour. Miss a little, miss a lot. Don't worry, though. 1030, Dan Wiederer, our uh, guy, uh, ESPN uh, 1000 Bears guy, also Tribune guy, will join us. Jesse in a few minutes. Yeah, it was a rough day for uh, Chicago baseball yesterday. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Cubs get three hits, and the White Sox have a 4-2 <laughs> lead, and they can't hold it. The uh, it's, 
it's good I don't gamble. Oh, no, me too. There's because, not a chance. I mean, you can listen to Odds Couple. Uh, you know, you can go to the great. podcast yeah. for Odds Couple. You hear it Friday at six or Saturday before yeah. us from eight to nine. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a gambler. You know, twenty five, thirty years old. You know, I'd call up my guy and yeah. put twenty five bucks on, and it was fun. But I would have put the house yesterday on the Bears covering, winning big, and over on the over under. I thought it'd be oh, would you. Know, you? I thought it'd be like 31 21. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Bears would clean up. I would have parlayed it, like, the, you know, with the right. state lotto now, sure. where you have to bet, make two bets yeah, or whatever. You can't even do that yet, but, you no, know, but when right. you're it, able to. It write. will, it yeah. will, right. Yeah. How would that have gone? Uh huh. Yeah. Not, not too good. No. Not uh, good at all. Twitter poll vote right now. Uh, for the Bears to reach the playoffs, how good must the offense be? Excellent. Very good. Above average or average. And also, uh, we talked with Mark Potash about this. Did Coach Nagy's play calling, now stick with me, did Coach Nagy's play calling suffer because he didn't call plays for the first string offense in the preseason? Okay. See, all of a sudden now, he's saying, you know, I, I haven't really called for it. I've never had these guys out there before. Yeah. Does the preseason also matter for the head coach as well as the players? It's kind of like when he says, uh, "Yeah, we 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 should have you know we we need to run the ball more." You call the plays; it's up to you to run the ball more. Fred, from the middle of the third quarter on, they had thirty three plays and never ran the ball. Uh huh. And they were down by four. Thirty three plays. Right. Yeah, they you're, never ran the ball. You're in a game. Some people say that you got to throw the ball a lot when you get down by four, seven or fourteen. They were down by four. It was middle of the uh, early middle of the third quarter. They you never got, passed again. Yeah, and, and I didn't know that the Bears are calling it their three headed monster at running back, but I know that Al Michaels pointed that out numerous times. Talking about Coach Neggy. Let's go to uh, Mitchell Desplains. Is that you, Mitchell? Yes. Uh, first of all, what you don't, what you're not really addressing here is that the Green Bay defense, okay, they limited Trubisky to basically three points in the offense completely as a whole. Number two, Trubisky doesn't have the natural skill set of a Jay Cutler to compete in our division. And as the, you know, this is a much more difficult schedule than last year. Last year was like a magical year. All the things fell in their place. They had an easy schedule. And Trubisky did not really have to come from behind and win games. Mitchell, tell me something good. You're bumming me out, but everything you say, I can't argue with it. Tell me something good. Go. Okay, the defense is great, but here's the point. Do not count on every game the defense bailing you out. If you're so insecure or unsure about your coach and the QB, who you traded up, then I suggest that we start, you know, we start out uh, uh, a, uh, a losing streak or we start uh, a, a hole that we can't get out of. Don't blame it on the defense. My suggestion is, folks, go and sign Josh McCown. Oh, I love Josh. Josh already has a job. Thank you very much, Josh. Josh has a job. He's a backup quarterback in the league already. Mitchell. Philadelphia. Mitchell can vote right now. Uh, for the Bears to reach the playoffs, how good must the offense be? Vote now at ESPN 1000. Jesse next. Murph and Fred, one hour down, two hours to glow. To glow? Maybe, Maybe. we will be glowing. You never know if he's in too close to the transmitter. Or if that tequila bottle that we uh, unwrap over uh -huh. there. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Jesse next.
is all right, especially when we are one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Murph and Fred going to take a quick uh, pivot. That's the new word. We're going to pivot. Pivot away from Bears talk, but we will return in a half hour. Dan Wiederer, Bears guy. Tribune, our uh, Murph and Fred focus group Twitter poll. We have one for Cubs fans only. Vote now. Would you rather who? Who would you rather have return uh, for twenty twenty and twenty twenty one? Cub fans, who would you like to rather have back next year and the year after? A. Joe Madden. Well, he's gone, Murph. B. Theo Epstein. Can't get rid of him. He's got two more years on his contract. Both or neither. Who would you rather have return in 2022 and 2021? Joe Madden, Theo Epstein, both or neither. Let's bring in our Cubs guys up in Milwaukee's Jesse. refreshed and ready to go when Jesse comes on. And then when we say goodbye, I'm like an old limp uh, dish rag. I'm all worn out. All worn out. Yes. And <laughs> Jesse gets all ready for us because he does yeah. one, two, maybe three cups of coffee before jumping out with us. Oh, God love him. Up, up in Milwaukee, maybe he went and took the br- a brewery tour this morning. But I don't think he would, did you, Jesse? I would have. No. Later. Well, I, I, I took the brewery tour last night, Damn. if you know what I mean. There you yes. go. <laughs> Oh, and that's probably, great. Probably most of the Cubs reporters did. Yeah, then he ended up yes. by that little fireplace at the Fister, and he was just like the Mr. Mr. Jesse, right? Hey, the author Jesse Rogers. Fans, say hi to Jesse. You did write a great piece last night, and uh, it's at ESPNChicago.com. Uh, Your headline writer distilled it down into this headline, Cubs rotation problems piling up, putting playoff hopes at risk and you itemized great piece jesse hamels continues to be a disturbing trend hendrix bad road numbers uh quintana sort of coming back down to earth uh lester uh he's been an escape artist it's amazing darvish tonight forearm soreness uh skipped the last uh, turn so he's on about you know nine ten days rest uh, give or take but Tell us about that piece a little bit that you wrote. Yeah, you know, I, I had some people react like, oh, it, that's not the problem it, with the team. And, I, and, and my feeling is, no, no, it's not the weak link to the team, but it's also not the thing that's leading them right now. They need quality start after quality start after quality start. And with the names on paper and the money invested in that rotation, who is now, for the most part, healthy, we'll see tonight about Darvish, they need to take the ball and go. And I don't think that's happening. We're seeing inconsistent play even out of them. And that's the one area of this team that you have to check off and just say they're going to be there for you down the stretch. Like, I believed mm-hmm. in Hamels and Lester down the stretch. Now I'm starting to doubt myself. I mean, Lester, look, if he gets in and out of trouble the rest of the year, great, fine. No problem, but you, you do worry about that. It's like you, when you close your eyes a little bit when the bases get loaded off of him because, oh. you know, it could go either way. And, you know, Hamels is just not the same pitcher. And no. That's the guy you were counting on. And you have to get Hendricks at Wrigley, not on the road. So all these things, I think, are little things in some respect. Hamels is a big one. You know, some of it's little, but it's piling up, I think. And, you know, if Darvish isn't the Darvish we saw before the injury, that's another thing to worry about. 
just too many things to worry about in the rotation when you already have enough to worry about in the offense and sometimes in the bullpen, especially without Kimbrell. And that, yeah, I was just going to say, Jess, and now your closer's on the IL, and who knows what's going to happen when he's going to come back and if he'll be ready when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been effective in save situations, but now it's two injured list stints and some wonky performances in between those save, uh, you know, opportunities. And even even in those saves, he gets, you know, he puts men on. But right. you know, that's been his mo his whole career. So I, I don't care about the traffic. If you're getting the save, you're getting the save. But the last injured thing was a knee. This is an elbow, and just like Darvish, okay, it might be minor, but in September, nothing's minor. I mean, he's missing 10 days in September. That's already a major amount of time. Now when he comes back, what's he going to be like? So, yes, Fred, there's too many things piling up that you thought you were, you, you could look, you know, you put them in the rearview mirror, right? right? Closer, rearview mirror. Starting rotation, at least, with Hamels getting back from the rearview mirror. But now those are things you have to worry a little bit about. Jesse Rogers. Jesse, I don't think I've ever prefaced uh, something when, when I'm going to say you don't have to answer this. Kimbrell is fat. <laughs> Someone else, a few people tweeted that at me as well. I don't mm-hmm. see it up close, mm-hmm. but I get it a little bit more on TV. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Though, it's twenty pounds TV. Yeah, yeah, but the stripes are supposed to make you look thinner. <laughs> the, I don't know. The Babe Ruth pink maybe, maybe because standing next to him, I'm fat. I because I'm kind of out of shape. But <laughs> I don't see it, Murph. I'm not going to uh, refute it though because uh-huh. I know other people have said it to me as well. I know how you could uh, exercise and lose some weight. You can go out to your garage and lift all those boxes of uh, Try Not to Suck book that you got stored. I got to move them. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a end of a clearance sale, okay. if you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, here. I got, I got uh, you. Those yeah. are going to be collector's items in a couple months, I have a, yeah. I have a feeling. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, like Joe. I think everybody likes Joe and mm-hmm. respects what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know if he moves on, they're going to say glowing things about him, and they should. He did a lot for this franchise, but I could absolutely see the change coming as we all can. Let me tell you something. Joe Madden is the glue. He's the glue. And if these guys don't understand that, and then, you know, good for them. They're smarter than I am. But there's one guy. No one seems to talk about Tom Ricketts as far as last I looked, he's the boss. He's the boss. And... Do we, how do, it's not a, this, this is rhetorical. How do we know how happy he is or isn't with everything right now? He's never going to say, he ain't going to tell you, he ain't going to tell me, and not going to tell anybody. But it, it just makes me wonder a little bit. Uh, that's why we have our, our current Twitter. Let's bring in uh, Big Bad Sean. How the Cub fans uh, uh, vote on this uh, since about uh, 7 o'clock this morning? Would you rather, who would you rather have? back uh, for 2020 and 2021. Very simple. A, I want Joe Madden back for two more years. B, keep Theo for two more years. He's got a, he's still under contract. Or both of them. I want them both back. Or D, I want neither back. I would love to know how Tom Ricketts is voting on this. Let's bring in <laughs> Big Bad Sean. Sean? Hello, Sean. What's up, Murph? Sean? Hey, buddy. Enjoying the show so far? Yes. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. No, no, Sean was doing another task. Sean, can you give us the, the results here for uh, number uh, eight, Cub fans? Who do you want back in the next two years? Joe Madden, Theo Epstein, both or neither? What do we got going there, Sean? It's a close race, actually. 44% mm-hmm. for both. 37% for Theo Epstein. 
13% for neither mm-hmm. and 6% for Joe Matt. Hold on. <laughs> See, this is something haywire here. Uh, you would only 6% would rather want Joe back. How many said both? 44%. Okay, so okay, so then 50% said, thanks, John. Jesse, if, if Tom Ricketts asked me what, what I would suggest, mm-hmm. you know what I would do? Number one, I would say release Jason Hayward at the end of the year. No, I'm not joking. Why wait that long? No, well, I'm not joking. What's he got left? Three years at 22 or whatever? Who knows? Does Whatever. I would see. Here's the thing about Jason Hayward, Jesse. If you have okay, if you have him, you'll play him, and if you play him, he'll kill you. All right, very simple. I don't care how many millions, mildos. What do they call it now? What's the new word for? Me? I don't care. They owe him sixty six, forty four, eighty eight. You can't have him back next year. That's number one. Number two. Tom, you asked me. Here's what I would do. I'd. I'd extend Joe Madden two more years. Okay. And number three, I'd tie a can to Theo and Jed and pay their two years off and start this thing because right now this team is not going in the right direction long term. I don't like what I see. And I don't know that Tom Ricketts will or won't do anything. But after eight years, Fred, there comes a time. When the owner who says, oh, no, no, I'm hands off, I'm hands off, I'm hands off. There's a lot of money involved here. You got a TV deal coming that they're trying to ramrod through on the basic cable. I've heard the commercials. Basic cable. Uh The uh, marquee network they're trying to put together. They want to, I've got this on some inside information. They're trying to make it so everybody, everybody takes it. Whether you want it or not, no a la carte or second tier or third tier. It'll be four to six dollars a month for times twelve months for the Cubs. It'll be twelve dollars a month for the other channel. You'll also have to take that's the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and the White Sox. By the way, your Chicago Fire is going to be packaged with the Cubs. I have learned that. I don't hadn't heard that anywhere. They still else. have one more year for on ESPN Plus. Ah, they had a three year deal. Ah, so. you I don't know. Tear those, you buy them out, you know. They, they had a contract with the stadium, don't they? With the Toyota Park or whatever? Yeah, they bought that out, $6.5 million. Well, but there you go. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Jesse. Uh, overall, if Tom Rickett said to you, you know, what do I do here, Jesse? Would you say, call Murph? No. Well, <laughs> what, what would you say, Jesse? Well, it, 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 you know, I'd probably vote CBA um, in that order. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. Look, I, I get that more people are going to be upset with Joe than anyone because he's the face every day, talking to the media, all that stuff. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to set aside just, like, that fatigue that people have. Sure. But you, you do have to look at the manager a little bit. I mean, look, you can't fire 25 guys. I've, I've documented throughout this season my criticisms of Joe. And let me tell you, um, in a post-2016 World, World Series, you have to manage with a, a different vibe, a delicate hand, whatever the word is, I don't know. But mm-hmm. it, you, you can't just do the same thing. And look, if Elmore hasn't advanced, if Hap hasn't advanced, if Bodie has regressed, I'm not saying that's Joe Madden's fault at all, but it's happening on his watch. And that's going to go back to him a little bit. It, it, it's just how it works. So, I, I, I you know, if people go back and forth about Joe. I, I just feel like his best years were 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And it is not easy to manage in a post-World Series world. And, and it just 
hasn't clicked completely these last couple of years. So I do. That's why Joe. I'd go CBA. You know, Joe would be my third choice there. But let's not forget Murph. How many teams are going to make the postseason five out of five years? The Dodgers, but they haven't won a World Series. Mm-hmm. The Cubs, and I don't think anyone else, right? I mean, they're averaging the most wins in baseball. Now, that might change after this year. I don't know. But what, they're going to finish 10 to 15 games over 500, probably, right? Probably. I, you can't forget that it's not easy to contend every single year. So I am not going to – I think this is what I think Ricketts thinks. Ah, damn, we came up short again. Okay, let's move on. You're like, it's not 10 under 500. We have to remember that. And, it, and it, you just can't expect it to be greatness every single year. What, it, what if I repeated about Theo? At some point he said, we want to make the playoffs 7 out of 10 years. Right. Well, they're 4 for 4, maybe 5 for 5. Let's, let's, let's destroy this team when they miss it, actually. Now, I'm not praising them for the failures of the end of last year or possibly lose. I think losing the division this year should probably cost Joey's job. That's just how it works. Because at some point the message probably, you know, you need to change it. And like I said, guys haven't progressed. And maybe you haven't achieved um, complete max Cubs. You know what I mean? Like what you should be. But you're still pretty good. And you're contending. And September games are meaningful. And that matters. I, that's so I don't think Tom Ricketts is going to be all that upset with coming up a little short, whether it be the wild card or losing in the division series. And frankly, if they were out of the playoffs by one game, I'm not sure he's going to be that upset. You, you, are, you are contending. And what more can anyone ask for than contending? So I'm sort of playing both sides a little no, bit no. there, Murphy. No, and no. that's the thing about this Cubs team. You, you have to play both sides a little bit. But I, I, I can't just leave no blame to Joe. And no. I, can't leave, I can't leave no blame to Theo either. Trust right. me, we all know uh, the Theo stuff is there. M- much easier to assess Theo than Joe, <laughs> to be honest. It really is. Hits and misses. With Joe, it's about, you know, are guys uh, reaching their max potential? Um, is he making the right decisions? Does he understand what kind of te- You know, all that sure. is, you know, in the atmosphere, it's harder to judge him than, than a guy like Theo, in my opinion. It's going to be harder for Ricketts to look at the bottom line and be upset because they're going to make money this year. They're going to make money. They'll make money next year. they got the new thing coming in. I, the future, in my opinion, is is tougher to look at than what the Cubs are looking at right now. Well, you're right, Fred. Let me jump in, Jesse. You're right. The money's coming in. But does he ever sit down with the old... Remember the old animation? And add up all the money that's been blown? By Theo. That's another side of the equation. Don't get me wrong. Well, we'll see what the next general manager gets to spend. And, and think about what the, how Theo's going to sell it to, to, to Tom about Joe. Hey, for $5 million less, we can do the same thing. We can contend. Okay. But you got to be careful. Huh. And even I say this, being a little critical of Joe this year, you have to be careful because... For five million less, you could also be ten games under five hundred. But see, or, if I, it, it, look at the god darn Red Sox this year. Yeah. Okay, they're good, but they did not keep up with their pace of last year. It's not easy. They're going to miss the playoffs. The Cubs have not missed the playoffs after winning their World Series. No, you're right. It's just going to be it's going to be difficult for Theo to go in and after what he's done over the last several years to ask for any more money. Huh. Yeah. I mean, how can he possibly I, no. do it? Hey. Now, he's going to have money coming off the books, and we know that. Exactly. But what he spends that on is going to be a really big question for him. Well, everything we're talking about, we can throw in the garbage can if Baez MRI comes back with a fractured pinky or whatever his wrist. That is scheduled for today, Javi's MRI, correct? 
Yeah, and I believe that's back in Chicago. So mm-hmm. he's certainly not going to play today. And I no. just, I mean, obviously he could drive back up tomorrow if everything's clear. But you would assume he's knocked out for this series. Jesse, if this thing's open. bad, it's tapioca. They're done. Yeah, and people were being critical to me, at least on Twitter. Why didn't they do this MRI right away? No. Well, it, it doesn't change anything. No, no, you know, yes, you, you get more, more understanding if you did it right away. I get that. But he thought he could play. He tried batting practice. Didn't work. My point is, it's not like you had to use the injured list to recall a player. It's September. You don't, it doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Right, but, right. That's, um, you that's, know, I know people want to yeah. know what the deal is, that's but we'll crazy. find out soon. You know, back to, back to last night's game, you come off a 10-5 to win. You come off yep. a game where Schwarber goes deep, uh, good things happen, you get a victory in a huge four-game series, and the next day you decide to move Chris Bryant to five and move Schwarber to two. Any yep. explanation of why that happened? Yeah, because Schwarber's going so well. <laughs> That's pretty much it. They wanted to get him a couple extra bats if they can in the game, and Bryant's not going well. Simple as that. He but just, that's the he, first time all year he's had Bryant anywhere besides two or three. Yeah, well, Bryant's numbers since, like, July 20th are not very good. So, you know, why give him the extra bat over Schwarber, who's hot? I mean, it's kind of like just a X's and O's decision. Um, but that's why. That's what one guy's hot, one guy's not. And he moved Castellanos down to third now that they have Zoe up at top. See, Zoe was five for five on base uh, Thursday. Right. And then yesterday, you, you know, you always look, what's the oldest expression in baseball? When you don't hit, you look flat. But here's the guy throwing that junk up there like he always does, Davies. And yeah. they get three hits on the night, the homer and a double by Castellanos and a, a Bryant a double. They're going to have the same thing today, Fred, Jesse, that Gio Gonzalez. Uh, yeah. This soft uh, toss and lefty. Remember what he did last Saturday? Before the game the started, everyone was saying, "Hey, don't take, don't swing." Gio Gonzalez. He'll work the count yeah. to three and zero, oh, three and one before he maybe even he may never throw you a strike. And all the Cubs did last Saturday was swing, swing, swing. He ran up to about ninety pitches by the end of three or early in the fourth because he nibbles. If they didn't learn anything last Saturday against Gio Gonzalez, and they're all swinging again on this guy. Then bad on them. Yeah, you know, I did a piece a few days ago on, on what's it going to take for the Cubs to have a great stretch here in September to finish. And I went back at the one good stretch they had. They were 23-7. and seven, And Joe has talked about not chasing, not chasing, not chasing. During that 23-7 and seven stretch, they mm. still chased. They ranked 20th during that month in chasing. And since then, they've, they, they, or after that, they dropped to 24th. Um, this is why I actually pivot and go back to pitching. I mean, you were up one nothing last night. This is Cole Hamels on the mound uh, a team, uh, against a team that isn't as good against lefties. You can not neutralize Yelich, but on paper, he shouldn't be as good against Yelich, uh, against lefties. Of course, he took Hamels. So you're up one nothing, and then Hamels gives it away. And, yes, the offense could always come back and win, but you know that's just not how baseball usually works. I mean, a team that gets a nice little lead usually wins. But, you know, so that's where I, I pivot back to. Yeah, they might chase tonight. Maybe they don't. I don't know. That hasn't really determined the outcome of their season. That 23-7 and seven stretch was led by pitching. They were first in the majors by over a run in terms of ERA. That's what's going to lead them to the promised land. That's why I wrote what I did last night. I, I, I agree with you. They're not great against guys like Gio Gonzalez. But if, if uh, Darvish isn't putting up zeros, then, then the Cubs are going to be but in they trouble just saw, way. Right, way. I agree. They just saw him six days ago is what I'm saying. They better. Yeah, no, not, you're right. Yeah. 
Well, see, but right. he, I mean, he, there's he's a good exactly chance. Exactly the type of guy that gives them problems. Right. Exactly but, the type. But there's a good chance if you're Gio Gonzalez. I mean, I don't want. He's not an idiot. I mean, he tricked them last week. Maybe this week he throws strikes first pitch, second pitch, and the Cubs are waiting on him. <laughs> His stuff isn't good enough to get him out in the zone. He has to get him out, uh, you know, outside the zone. So we'll see. But um, a lot of, lot of chasing when he's on the mound. There's no doubt. They have to be patient. And the thing is, Zobrist is the, the guy that you might like is probably going to sit tonight. He's played a couple days in a row, came back down to earth yesterday. Uh, not as, as solid from the right side. So the guy that probably would be good against Gio in terms of giving a good at bat probably isn't going to play tonight. Which throws the uh, whole leadoff thing uh, up for grabs. Uh, you know, Baez did it the other day. Uh, you know, you can't start Hayward, especially against the lefty at leadoff. So I don't know who's leading. And Schwar- be does, interesting. does Schwarber play being a lefty going against a lefty? I would say he has to. He he has to. His I'm knee. Sorry. He's got a bad knee. He's got to play because Javi's. Uh, you know, bye bye. Right. The, and the guy can run into a pitch now against right. lefties yeah. or righties. Yeah. He's got thirty-four. I mean, it shouldn't even be a question. He's got to look with Hayward struggling. That's your open spot if you want to bring in Hap or Almora for a start. You leave Schwarber in left and Castellanos in right every single day. You're already down, like you said, a power guy in bias. No, of course he has to play. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Jesse, it's time for the lightning round. Let's do it. Lightning round. All right. Number one, if the Cubs had signed D.J. LeMay when the offseason, how many more wins would they have today? Five, ten? They'd be like at 100 already, I think. 50? Here, he's leading the league or tied for the league. Uh, American League Yankees, second base every day. He's hitting a ton. Don't don't miss Tim Anderson. He's leading the league right now. Thank you very much. On base, doing everything. Best power year. They could add him for 12.5 and 12.5, but they're paying Morrow 10 million issues, so I guess that put a hole. Let's just say fantasy land. Wait, wait, where's my... What if... Ah, Jesse's old what if, Bell. What if they'd have signed... Just play with me. DJ LeMayo. How many more wins? Go with five, sure. Why not? Five? That sounds like a lot, though, but yes. <laughs> a lot? They, they, they I mean, got, if- hold on. Hold the phone, Sparky. I love you, my friend. <laughs> they got the worst on-base percentage in baseball okay, in the ten. leadoff slot. How <laughs> many... Yes! They'd be at 100 already. Are you kidding me? And remember, war is not one means one win. It's all goofed. It's not like you'd have a war of 15. All right, we know that. Next! Lightning round! Do you remember what I taught you in Milwaukee? When you have bratwurst, Dusseldorf mustard. Do you remember that? Yes. All right, lightning round number three. (laughs) All right. Of all the great, smart, Things you've ever said, I have your best ever. It was earlier in the week. Here's a sound bite. Here's Jesse earlier in the week. The Bears and Packers go up against the Cubs and and Brewers, or maybe the Cubs and Brewers go up against the Bears and Packers. And and you know, I, I joke about rather you know wanting to watch the football game tomorrow without a baseball game, even though baseball is my job, York. But I will tell you, and you've heard me say this before, if I was commissioner for a day and I had one move to make. I would end the regular season for baseball on August 31st, and I would start the playoffs right away. Commissioner Rogers, I love it. You know what? Yeah, I'm old school. I like to be set in my ways. I, that I'm all for it. Fred, how many games are you going to play? 
110? Now, don't start getting, uh, you know, the money. <laughs> oh, the money, No, the forget money. the money. I just, how many games are you going to no, play if you ended in August? 144. You play some day-night doubleheaders. You fit it in. Uh, and right now, the playoffs would be rolling right now. Baseball's so on the back burner, other than with the Cubs right here and Fred's White Sox, that, you know what? Why They're, they're playing like they're playing against the house right now. They can't win these attendance and TV in this there was month. No, there was nobody in Milwaukee on Thursday, Jess. Well, there the wouldn't have been anybody. When he hit home runs, there was nobody in the outfield. Well, if it had been at Wrigley Field, they'd have been home watching the Bears, Packers, or Packers, Bears in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. You could check off so many boxes by doing this. Lengthen some careers, make the regular season a little bit more important, make the playoff season even more interesting. The wild card can be three of five, division series four of seven. Um, you could play the whole month of September and own it a little bit more. And you could own August as well because the pennant races would matter. Uh, I I can't stress this enough, how how the buzz just drops in September around stadiums. Mm -hmm. But Monday Night Football, this coming Monday in San Diego, in the suites, they'll be watching football. Even if their team's not playing, it's just the way it works. The other night was, you know, Cubs are up 10-5, there's 5,000 people in the stands. It's just just silly how they, they, uh, they don't think of this as an issue with the, with the sport. It's just, they, oh, it's the money. Like you said, I don't want to hear about the money. You can make up the money with higher ratings because less games make them more important. Simple as that. The NFL used to start around September 15th. They had about 12 teams and they weren't a national powerhouse. And you know what? It made sense there for the first, uh, whatever, 80, 90, 100 years. Jesse, you're the best. Thanks a million. Go get them. We appreciate your time. You got it, Murph and Fred. Another coffee coming. Take there care. you go. Number seven on the morning. Wow. <laughs> He's been working at it. Back on the Bears beat right around the corner. Uh, Dan Wiederman said, I'll give you guys. Or Wiederer. Uh, Dan, he too. <laughs> Him too. Him too or he too. Back in a flash. Dan Wiederer. Sorry, Dan. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome back. Busy day, halfway home. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. And uh, great visiting, talking uh, Cubs with Jesse. We'll shoehorn in more baseball, White Sox, and Cubs. But let's get back on the Bears beat. Speaking of a guy that does a great job on the Bears beat, Dan Wiederer, Chicago Tribune, and ESPN 1000. Carved out a few minutes here on his busy Saturday uh, for me, Murph, and him, Fred. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Hey, thanks a million for jumping on on a uh, sort of not a free weekend for you. I know uh, you're never done the filing and uh, reporting and uh, getting your scoops. But uh, yeah, she would just think if their Bears would have won, we would have had nothing to talk about. <laughs> no. I'm just relieved that I don't have to cover the uh, Antonio Brown drama today. So. Yeah, thank goodness, right? Let the record show. Absolutely. We talked about it for 15 seconds, so now we're done. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get serious, Dan. Let's put you or me or Fred, let's put you in uh, the shoes uh, right now of uh, Matt Nagy. So he's thinking, all right, I uh, got a few extra days here. I don't know exactly, Fred, Dan, when their next workouts are. That's irrelevant. Question is, what do you think is on his checklist? Uh, what what will he be saying to himself? Okay, number one thing I got to work on is with the guys is this. What? 
Okay, so here it is. It's two parts for me. Number one is let's get Mitch Trubisky back in the proper mindset. Let's understand that Thursday night was a major stinker and one of the worst performances of his young career to date, but that it wasn't the end of the 2019 season. And so getting Mitch back in the right mindset and the the proper uh, sort of confidence frame to, to approach this week against the Broncos is step number one. Step number two for Matt is getting inside the playbook, getting inside the film room, and figuring out ways to commit to the running game. That was absolutely unacceptable. In Matt's own words, uh, on Thursday night, in a game that they never chased, right? They were never down by more than one score, and to, to have that little commitment to the running game was an issue. Now, Matt said yesterday, look, some of those plays that turned out to be passes were, were run pass options, mm-hmm. and the quarterback ended up going with passes. But overall, you have to have a structure, particularly when you have went out in free agency and signed to Mike Davis, when you have traded up in the draft and got your hand-selected running back in David Montgomery. You have to have a structure in place that makes sure that the balance is that not that far out of whack in a game that is right there for the taking from you know, start to finish. Dan, other than the Patriots, um, how many teams are there, do you think, in the NFL, or maybe you even know this, that, that are you know trying to put three running backs into the game with Davis and with Montgomery and with Tariq Cohen, who we really didn't see a lot of until kind of late in the game and in the second half. Well, it doesn't matter how many running backs you're trying to put out there. I think they only combined for, what, 12 carries between the three of them? Yeah. Something of that nature. And that's just not acceptable. You're never going to establish anything. You're never going to have a defense trying to... Uh, you know, uh, re- respect your running game and, and allowing you room in the passing game to operate. Now, look, I'm not one of these old school guys that says you got to have a running back that carries it 25 times a game, and right. and it has to be that you know this 1980s philosophy. No, that's not it. But you got to be more balanced than you were the other night, particularly as I said in a game that was seven to three for the longest time, and then it only got as far as ten to three, right? So, so you're still right there. They got to get that figured out. They got to get this offense on track because let's face it, guys, if, if the offense had done anything. On Thursday night, we are spending the next nine days talking about one of the greatest defensive masterpieces that's been had in this town in the last decade, right? Holding Aaron Rodgers to 10 points on 12 possessions, pretty good. And uh, instead, we're left with a city that's a little bit shaking and anxious at the end of week two. Jeez, Dan Weederer. Dan, the uh, open space, you know, that's a crazy little buzzword, but it's pretty evident and logical that if you didn't get any football player but a Cohen or a Patterson or any of these into open space. Let's let's just look at Cohen. He never, that I recall, Fred, Dan, I remember being, you know, open space where they dragged two guys that way and he popped out and there he was and he had five yards of no one around him. Maybe I missed one. If so, I apologize. You got to get that guy into open space. He's got the fattest playbook, they tell us, Nagy, you know, bigger than the mm-hmm. Chicago yeah. phone book. How come he couldn't get, you know, maybe once if I missed it, how come he never got anyone in open space? So with Cohen specifically, Murph, it's interesting because a year ago he did so much of his damage when he was in the backfield and you offered him up as, as a threat, as a ball carrier, but then he let him go out as a receiver from the backfield, and he got those matchups against linebackers, and all of a sudden that, that elite speed and that freakish athleticism that he has could come into play. And now Mitch had an easy target, and there were big plays all over the field last year using that structure. On Thursday night, Cohen was lined up as a receiver more often than not, you know, on the outside, in the slot, things of that nature. Matt's got a challenge here, and let's, let's not forget, he's still inexperienced as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator. 
uh, didn't have that experience to uh, a, a great length during his time in Kansas City. And so he's got to figure this out now with all these different weapons and all these different options and all this different creativity and all this different versatility. How do we define who we are as an offense? How do we refine it? How do we make sure we're not trying to do too much? How do we make sure we're not getting too cute? How do we make sure we're not getting too sophisticated? Let's make sure we know what we do well as an offense and do it repeatedly and score 14, 17 points. You know, let's take baby steps to the point where this offense can be relied on to help this defense get to that double-digit win total. Dan, I know it's just one game, and, uh, you know, overreaction, um, you know, Monday sometimes this is obviously overreaction Friday and Saturday, but are the Bears going to find out uh, what the Vikings and the Patriots and other teams know that Cordero Patterson isn't nearly as good as everybody makes him out to be? Well, I think they probably already know that, and they've talked okay. for months now about Cordero Patterson being a guy that has to have a very specific role, and, and you, you take what he does well and you you try to use it. But they're not building this offense around Cordero Patterson. Who you know, I've said it. Look, he's, this is his fourth team, and the previous three didn't re-sign him when his contract expired, right? right? And so nobody was eager to, to say, okay, Cordero, we're going to take you to the finish line of your career. And so now he's just a niche guy, and they've got a bunch of niche guys. And, yeah. and what they have to do now is make sure that Allen Robinson, who was the one guy on offense who showed up hmm. Thursday night, is a focal point in their game plan. That David Montgomery, who should be a guy that, that can get you 1,300 yards from scrimmage this year, is a guy who is a focal point of your game plan. And, and, and make sure that you're feeding the mouths that need to be fed, and then mixing those other guys in to, to help you have that balance and, and help you keep defenses off balance. Dan Weider, today's Tribune headline writer, by uh, when they bypassed the 51-yard field goal, they hinted at Nagy's doubt about Pinheiro. Here's what Dan writes. The offensive line was in disarray. The quarterback was unsettled. Rhythm, non-existent. Uh, it's a work in progress. And uh, at best, uh, it's sloppy, disorganized, uh, couldn't seize opportunities. Confusion over, uh, it is really uh, confusion over what personnel grouping they were in. Uh, they had that third and five. They had to take a delay a game. If they'd have taken a timeout, you point out, Dan, they still would have been third and five, and third and five became third and ten, and then that broke down, and then they they did not opt to the field goal kick. Uh, just that delay a game. Who? How come they didn't just call timeout? Are they that valuable that you got to save them for the end of the game when it drove you maybe out of field goal range? Maybe. Once again, this is a, a young head coach, right? And, and as much credit as Matt deserved in 2018 for being a guy who came in and lit a fire in that building and created a, an energy and a belief that hadn't been there for the last four or five years before he arrived, he's still a guy that, that has weaknesses in his coaching uh, credentials. And one of those is, is learning to properly manage a game. And there were moments on Thursday night where that was evident, where, to your point, not using a timeout to keep you from – turning third and medium into third and long, not electing to go for a 51-yard field goal, which, my God, uh, you better be able to attempt that on a calm Thursday night in early September if this offense is going to get any help mm. at all, particularly when you, when you needed just points on the board to, to, to steady everyone, to steady right. the crowd, to steady the offense, to steady everybody. There were some major mistakes in, in the way Matt handled the in-game decisions and, and situations on Thursday night, and he said it yesterday. He's got to go back and, 
and self-evaluate and, and find out the whys and, and learn about himself and make sure that he gets better as the season moves along. Real quick, Fred, let me ask you a dumb question, Dan. In baseball, managers in the dugout, this started about 20, 30 years ago. I go, what the heck is a bench coach? I'll never, you know, Leo DeRocher, he didn't have a bench coach. Now it's commonplace, and they serve a terrific role and position. There's a lot going on for Coach Nagy. He's not only the head coach, he's also calling the plays. Would it be crazy, or maybe they have a person, maybe up in the booth, that would be quote-unquote like the bench coach or the helper, and he barks into... Time out, coach. Time out. Is there anybody there in the NFL, or is this way off the wall to even suggest something like that? No, I mean, there's a lot of communication. I'm not sure exactly what the specifics of the Bears structure is, but obviously Matt Nagy's a play caller, but Mark Helfrich is still an offensive coordinator and a guy who is in the stadium on game night. Yeah, He's yeah. the guy that's there Monday through Friday, right, and collecting the check. So there are responsibilities to be divvied up, and the communication has to be sharp, and it's got to be efficient because – you know, those, those delay of game penalties happen because, one, you're not getting the right guys on the field at the right time. Number two, you're not getting your play calls in fast enough. And all of a sudden, you uh. see Mitch with the, the hand in the air saying, come on, let's get this rolling. And the next thing you know, the play clock's at zero and, and you're backing up. So hmm. they've got to get better in a lot of ways. And, and it's a shame because, again, the defense played so well on Thursday night. And, and now they're left to, to sort of stew and, and be reeling a little bit over the next nine days when they really don't deserve to. Okay, two things. And I was going to say, let's talk about something positive, yeah. and then yeah. and then something else. I'm going to question: Who, in your opinion, had a better game? Was it uh, Leonard Floyd or Roy Robertson Harris? And uh, to pile on to that one, is there anything we can look into as to Khalil Mack not hanging around to talk to people after the game? That's not new with Khalil. Uh, okay, he doesn't love the, the the back and forth with with the media and often finds the, the quickest exit hatch he can after games because he just doesn't love it. Okay, good, because uh, that's, that's something we don't know a lot. And, and you know, if we're not in the yeah. locker room all the time, so that's good to know because a lot of people say, well, Khalil Mack wasn't there, and everybody is like my, me. My first opinion is, well, why? You see him last year, but if, in fact, he did that quite often, that's that's actually good to know. And the other it's question. It's good to know, but it's also something where this team's got to get their arms around that, too. Because sure. the, 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 expe- the expectations for this season are different, and you need your leaders, uh, Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, uh, Khalil Mack, to face the music when your team loses, right? And be those spokespeople and be those guys that, that kind of just take it for the team, right? And say, okay, you yeah. know, this is part of the job, this is the responsibility. You're a good player on a, on a team with great expectations. This is what you do. So to that end of the equation, they've got to figure that out and make sure that this doesn't chew them up and, and cause unneeded stress throughout the season. To your first question, really, really impressive the way Roy Robertson played with the the, the number of stat, snaps he had the other night and to make the impact he made. And Leonard was, was terrific all night long. And I, I think the most encouraging part about that, and you can add Roquan Smith in that discussion, is those are three guys that weren't part of the, the you know, the, the guys invited to the Pro Bowl last year. It wasn't Khalil, it wasn't Hicks, it wasn't Jackson, it wasn't Fuller. Now all of a sudden you're adding these ascending young playmakers to a defense that already had special players on it, and you say, whoa. You know, if this group can get a couple takeaways, uh, you know, if they can add to the, the, the effort that they showed on Thursday night against the Packers, they can be every bit a Super Bowl caliber defense. And now it's just a matter of uh, making sure they get some help 
from some part of the operation in the other two phases. Final quickie, and we'll spring you, uh, Dan Weeder. Or let's bring in uh, uh, Big Bad Sean. We have a Twitter poll uh, question here. There are many of them, but one that, uh, Dan, we've had up for about three, four hours now. Uh, multiple choice. Let's see what the fans said. For the Bears, very simple. For the Bears to reach the playoffs, how good must the offense be? A, excellent. B, very good. C, above average. Or D, just average. They could make. What the fans say there, Big Bad? Well, 44% of the fans said above average. Uh-huh. 35% said very good. 12% said average. Mm-hmm. 10% said excellent. How would you uh, vote on something like that in, in general, Dan? Yeah, my gut says above average, but I was also leaning towards the average uh-huh. frame as well because I just, I, this defense is so loaded. As long as they're healthy and at full strength, they're so good. And that's why they got to get Mitch back in the right mindset here because he doesn't have to be Tom Brady or Drew Brees over the next 12 weeks for this team to be in first place in the, in the playoff hunt. He's just got to be better than, than scoring three points in a, in a football game, right? And, and yeah. so if they can squeeze anything out of that side of the ball, and they should, Mitch and Matt and, and everybody else who goes back to work, uh, when they get back to the practice next week, they should be able to get back on a on a track that isn't as uh, jarring as we saw on Thursday night. And yeah. if they do, hopefully they can get a win in Denver and come home and, and everyone will feel settled. It's not going to be an easy task. Nick Fangio wrecks young quarterbacks who have uncertainty in their brain. And so to go to Denver on the road with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and Oof. others on that defense coming after you and, and to, to go in there with a, a confidence uh you know, dip to begin with, it's not going to be easy, and they got to get it figured out. And we'll find out what condition their condition is in when they get their mile high. That's not easy early in the season when you haven't played much uh, preseason games, or I'm sure they're running and uh, doing, ga- I love saying gassers. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> doing gassers. Is the conditioning something that they will be uh, working on this week, or what? Well, you better have it uh, worked out before. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be warm. It's going to be out. <laughs> it's going to be on the road. It's going to, it, this is this is a really tricky game, and 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 obviously uh, Thursday night came with a, a lot of overreaction on Friday and a little bit in the Saturday. But if they come back here at zero and two, this city is going to be very uneasy and, and very unnerved. And uh. so there's a lot at stake uh, on the road next week. The good news is that the the Broncos don't play until the very late game on Monday night, and so the Bears played the earliest possible game in week one. Sure. Uh, Broncos played the, the latest possible game in week one. That should be advantage Bears. <laughs> We're looking for anything that's going to be in our favor. If they come back 0-2, yeah. we'll be talking uh, Cubs and Sox again, for goodness <laughs> sake. Bring home a winner, Dan. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Hey, thanks for jumping in on your busy Saturday. We really appreciate it. The listeners love hearing you. Thank you. You got it, guys. All right. Weekend. Thanks, Dan. You too, you too. Uh, Fields, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Glenview, they're waiting for you. Their doors are open, Mm -hmm. and they will give you a low price and a whole lot more. You know, some auto dealerships out there, they advertise false prices. You get in there and you go, where's this? It says right here, no, we don't have that. Well, at Fields, you don't get any of that. Fields, all of their advertised prices are real. They don't change when you come into the dealership. Fields wants to earn your business. They will never, ever mislead you. Head on over. Tell them I sent you. Go to Fields, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep. Ram and Glenview, or you can visit them at fieldcjd.com. Fred sent me back in a flash. Uh, Twitter poll up right now. Vote. I've been waiting. I'll, I'll show Fred to bring this one in. Okay, multiple choice. So during the Bears game, I'm thinking to myself, 
if this were a baseball game, fans would be saying, this is boring. I want action, pacing, scoring. Uh, A, you agree? B, hmm, hadn't thought of that, Murph. Or C, you're crazy. It's the NFL. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Oh, just thinking about Jesse with a bratwurst up in Milwaukee and some Dusseldorf. Must they, they? They put they got the sauerkraut right there too at Miller Park. Yep. Fred. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. I haven't been to Miller Park in a while. This is a uh, fun, fun place. Uh, it's the best. All right. Uh, I like nothing like County Stadium though. County Stadium used to have the best bleacher. Because your feet were like at the waist of the players, if you were sitting down in the, in the first row of the bleachers, yeah, and they had like a like a walkway, like a six to eight foot yeah. walkway between the first row of the seats and the thing. You weren't leaning over, and uh, it was great. I loved the the old place. You ever been there in April? Uh, it was nowhere in the world colder. Yeah, I probably did not go till like then. Yeah, Milwaukee July. Braves, and then of course Milwaukee Brewer game. And I liked County Stadium. Yeah, but that roof. Well, I mean, that saved the franchise. Sure. Uh, that allowed them in April, May, and September to pre-sell in the winter. Little League groups, you know, in uh, Wapaka, Wisconsin, gosh, gosh, by gosh, up in a, oh, yeah, let's let's get 50 in a bus and go down April 12th to watch the, the Brewers because they're rough. Yeah. Oh, Listen, the, to be real honest with you, almost yeah. every baseball stadium should have a retractable <laughs> roof. Every single one. Then you wouldn't have to worry about rainouts. You wouldn't yeah. have to worry about makeup dates. You wouldn't have to worry about the fans getting wet. Um, it, it would make so much sense. Well, Jesse's already cut September off the schedule. Let's cut April off. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, that that's my biggest thing. If you cut off September, you know, they're already starting. The Cubs op- already open next year on March 26th. Yeah, that's insane. I Don't, know the White Sox do. Great. Come they're on. All right. During the Bears game, Twitter poll number uh, 10 will bring in Big Bad Sean. During the Bears game, I'm thinking if this were a baseball game, you know, people would say, this is boring. I want more action. Where's the pacing? We need more scoring. There was one time that where each punter had seven punts. I mean, it was it was crazy. Do you agree? Do you go, hmm, haven't thought about it or... See, that's crazy, Merv. It's it's the NFL. It's never boring. Uh, I don't even know how the fans are going to vote on this. There are boring football games, but football fans are probably going to say they're not bored. Well, they're betting on each play. Well, they can. Right. They can. Run or pass. I, it, just think, if you kept rolling over, pass, 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 you'd be about uh, $10 yeah. million dollars up because they had 33 passes in a row without a run. All right, Big Bad Sean. Sean, did you vote on this? I want to get your thoughts on this first. I actually did. All right, great, great. Uh, what say you? I say, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, not either way for me. I understand. Uh-huh. Look at the Super Bowl. People argued about that, whether or not it was a good game or a mm-hmm. boring game. Yeah. Look, it's the Super Bowl. Enjoy it. The players decide how it's played. I don't have any control over that. It's my job. If I want to watch it, I watch it. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like it, I turn away. So I thought know? it was compelling. I thought the game was compelling oh, good without call. all the scoring. But, I mean, of course, I would love to see great plays, diving catches, great runs, great tackles, great interceptions, all of that. Yeah. I love action. Yeah, it's like a one to nothing baseball yeah. game. Hey, they can be very exciting, fast-paced, and to use sure. a, a compelling, great word. Yeah, you're exactly right. But what did the fans say? Oh, of course, the fans, 64% of them agreed with you, Murph. Again, I hate when I always everybody agrees. Twenty percent said that's crazy. Uh huh. 
and 16% said, hmm. Okay. So 60% said boring? Well, they agreed that if it were a baseball game, they'd be saying it was oh, boring. They yeah. want more action. Yeah. Out of step, Murph. Maybe not after all. So well, it wasn't. I, I think I saw the stat yeah. on ESPN after the game that the final score of that game last year, mm-hmm. the record was 2-60 and 60 for teams that scored 10 points huh. in a game. 2-60. and 60. Did you see it was the first time in Bears franchise history? That would be about 100 years, I believe, give or take, that they... Had a season opener, which was at home. So say that's 50-50, roughly, right? It's rotated. So 50 home games, opening game, they've never scored as few as three points. Yeah. That's ter- it was terrible. Unacceptable, as what Matt Nagy said. And I said, yes, your play calling was unacceptable. There was a play, and we'll do this when we return our number three in the Bears game, that was so Maybe under the uh, talk sports talk radar that I don't believe has been brought up yet. We'll talk about that. Any of our earlier topics on the Bears, we'll open up the phones and we return. Hour number three, Murph and Fred at ESPN 1000. Hello. One, two, three, cuatro. Hour number three. Crank it up there, Sean. Tamale Bowie. Murph and Fred, neither of us are uh, bullies, but we can both be woolly. I can be at times. No, you! I can be a bully, yeah. How about make Fred laugh? Now, what's up, Fred's can? Yeah, more what's up, Fred's can. (laughs) Fans are getting all over me saying I don't like Tim Anderson. Um, It's great that Tim Anderson leads the American League in hitting. He also um, is the guy that tried to steal third as the tying run with two outs and Moncada at the plate last week. And he also leads all of baseball in errors with 24, which is five more than any player in baseball. Five more, and he's only played 103 games. So, yeah, Tim Anderson's got – he's hitting the ball real well this year. He's got a lot of improving to do in order to be a key – and I'm saying cog – a key cog in the White Sox attack going Uh forward. Speaking of your White Sox, before we get right back to the Bears, we uh, enjoy a usually daily uh, visit in a commercial form called the White Sox Minute right. here at ESPN 1000. And uh, a very interesting uh, uh, piece, and it's, it's Jason uh, Benetti. Uh-huh. He does that. The Sox Minute. Now, this, uh, excuse me, this ran. Uh, oh, this just in really quickly? I'm yeah. sorry. The Raiders have released mm. Antonio Brown, according to Adam Schefter. All right, added up. Now we've talked 20 seconds about him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this was, I thought, a very, very. Well, Ronaldo Lopez. Here's your pitcher. You came in the uh, Washington, the big trade, right? Uh, yeah. Adam Eaton hurt again. He's hurt all the time. Yeah, he so, is. What a, this was a one hit. Maybe Todd Frazier beat him up. Complete game <laughs> shutout. This is your White Sox Minute. I'm Jason uh-huh. Benetti. Hey, Jason. In baseball, success is fleeting, and mm-hmm. thankfully, so is failure. A couple starts ago, Reynaldo Lopez went five no-hit innings and looked awesome. His next start, he didn't make it out of the first inning. Six hits, six earned runs. So he was trying to bounce back yesterday, and he did in a major way. He threw his very first major league 
complete game. One hit, one run. He stifled the Indians all day long to the tune of 11 strikeouts. And Reynaldo Lopez just looked tremendous Mm -hmm. on the mound in Cleveland. Sox ended up splitting the series with the Indians. Back in your rotation now next year. Hey, Fred. Oh, the way he's pitching right now, yeah. but he's got to be consistent. Right, right. I mean, and just what what Benetti said right there. Talk about lack of consistency. Mm-hmm. No hits in five innings. You don't feel well. The next outing, two thirds of an inning, you get rocked, and then you throw a complete game, one hitter. I mean, the, you know, talk about not consistent. That's a prime example. Let's switch over to what I believe was the under the radar play in the Bears game. Okay, a play that spoke volumes, but got lost in the shuffle. All right, let's go to, and we've got the cut here from uh, NBC uh, TV. And uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. I like those guys. I thought they did a great job, except if I hear Chris Collinsworth or anybody else use the double doink again, there's there's grounds for you yeah. know hurting that person. It's over with. That's over with. And, and he said double doink and, like, chuckled. Now that's it wasn't funny. Obviously... Big national broadcast. Does every, the people in, like, uh, uh, you know, Oregon, people in Nevada, does everyone know what that even means around the country? If they're big football fans, they uh, do, uh, but other than yeah. that, yeah. All right. So, let's go to the Bears game. Let's go to third quarter. Eh, we're somewhere here, Fred, around the Must f- be a pass. Five-minute <laughs> five mark. Oh, it is. Okay. Now, the Bears are trailing 7-3. to three. Uh-huh. Well, That was for mo- a lot of the time they were trailing. And the balls, the Bears of the ball, or the balls of the bear, I almost said. The Bears of the ball on their own 40, and it's first down, and well, here's a surprise, first and 15. All right? Yeah. There's going to be a pass now to girl number 32, David Montgomery. Who seemed like half the time Nagy forgot he was even on the, in the game or on the bench. But we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. This was a pass that was such amazing physical ability and control. Now, TV won't paint the picture, but I will. It's a, it's a 15 yard down pattern. He in the air, he like mid air, he sort of like twists. He's got his both hands up extended, like looking back. And it was a catch. That many people, many players would have no chance or would would double doink it right. off one hand, off another. Okay, it grounds for. I'll tell yeah. you one guy that wouldn't catch it would be Jordan Howard. Right, right. Ready. Patterson is the man in motion. Kind of ghost motion there. Wide open, making the catch at the thirty-five yard line. That's David Montgomery. We talk about his prowess breaking tackles. He's also a great receiver. It was an amazing catch. I think most everyone now may, oh yeah, that was one of the few great, not great, one of the nice offensive plays of the day for the Bears. It was one of the reasons that Matt Nagy wanted to go out and get that guy in the third round. Exactly. He wanted him as his running back. My question is, you've got three guys, three running backs, and I asked this, I posed it a little bit to um, Dan Wieterer, but uh, you know, I don't know how you're going to get these guys all the ball. You know, you've got a, a Mike Davis who, by the way, will be with me out at Bannerman's on Monday night uh, from Bannerman. 6 to 8. He'll be there from 7 to 8 o'clock. Is that the uh, old Hawks goalie? No, oh. it's not. Uh, for uh, for Football Night in Chicago brought to you by Miller Lite. Nice. So he'll be on out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you've got him and Tariq Cohen and you know Montgomery. It's like so many guys. I'm not sure how they're going to be able to satisfy all of them. Now. Why didn't he see more action? 
Montgomery, right? Yeah. And we know a lot of the peripheral uh, reasons. Okay, fine. Now, Nagy had his presser. I hate that word. Yep. At his press conference. Uh-huh. And, uh, the one on, the one after the game or the one no, yesterday? I'm sorry, thank you. Yesterday. Okay. And you heard it here at ESPN 1000. And there was a lot of key points, and they've been replayed, replayed. Uh, Sean Davis uh, did a great job. Pull this one up. Now, this was just a little sort of an illusion, a quick little discussion on Nagy. Now, listen closely. Here he talks about... David Montgomery. I think to the to the general fan, that would be great. The, the hard part is that, you know, again, uh, a rookie guy coming in and learning. There's a lot of intricacies to our to our offense with rules and assignments, not just r- running the ball, but in pass protection or running routes, different things. So we're, we're kind of easing him into it. I know it, everybody wants instant gratification and wants this, the, the great fantasy stats right away from week one. Um, but And we want production. You know, I, I love the kid. I think the kid's going to have a very bright future. But there's going to be a little bit of a weight here and uh, balance as to we figure out what's best and how to use him along with Mike and Tariq. All right, stop the tape. I can't believe you said fantasy stats. No, anyway. uh, yeah, he must play. Now, there's a lot. Of, that's legal, isn't it? Yeah, his son is probably I mean, there are a lot. That's not illegal. I don't think so. How could it be? The NFL's backing all gambling. Right. Even, hey, coach, here, you want to put 50 on the game? Yeah. Oh, 50 means 5,000? I don't know. What I don't know. So, Fred, there's a lot going on there. Number one, that's why we didn't see much of Montgomery. He's got a lot to learn, which is not a surprise for a rookie, right? Well, one of the questions comes up is, can he block and, you know, well, is he a, can he pass block? Well, they, they moved up, what, 14 slots to get him, didn't they? Whatever, 11 slots to, to get him in the third round. Uh-huh. So, and it takes a while. I'm not saying, okay, some guys will never be able to pick up a block. Right. I mean, never, right? Never. I imagine it's a lot of it is just uh, stick to itiveness and you yeah. know, get your nose in yeah, there. Yeah, you don't have to have that, a skill. You just have to get your, get in the way and put your hands on someone. Now, we don't know the kid much yet, but he certainly doesn't seem like he's afraid to put his nose no, in there. Not at he, all. He led college football, what, two years in a row, added together and broke tent broken Well, last year, tackles. yeah. I, last year, I know he did, yeah. Yeah. Broke more tackles than anybody in college football. So. We're going to do something we never do on, on in radio. You're not supposed to. I'm going to Talk pull. White Sox? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> we just did. I know. Did you miss it? No, you were there. I was there. Bears come back 0-2, 0-3. Well, plenty to yeah. talk about. Uh-huh. Coach Nagy's got the biggest playbook, they say, you know, or as big as, you know, right. Chicago phone book. Now, how long have they had Montgomery? They since drafted, the draft. Since what? April? April. Late yeah. April. Whatever. And I know the league says there's certain things that you can't, you know, practice for this week. You know, or that week OTAs or, and other stuff. There yeah. you go. Right. But there's got to be a lot to learn. So he says right there, basically, he's still learning. And there's not, you know, I'm not criticizing the kid. I'm not criticizing anybody. Right. What is interesting is this was the guy, and you said this a minute ago, that they targeted to be their guy because he could do what Jordan Howard couldn't. And it's going to open up things in the offense to put the pressure on the defense, to cause double teams or isolate or guys open in the in the open space, you know, all those buzzwords. Right. But when will he have all this? Is it going to take a year? Is it- well, do you don't you remember don't you remember Tariq Cohen not going in and uh, 
when there's two minutes to go into the game, and they said, "Well, he doesn't know the two minute war. He doesn't know yeah. the two minute offense yet." Yeah, and you know those kind of things happen. There. Now that wasn't Nagy; that was Fox, right? Because this is his third year calling, so that would have been Fox. Yeah, I life. think so. But regardless, right. you're exactly right. Yeah. So, well, you know, it, it happens. It happens with uh, with with players. They and don't. Fox's playbook was probably, you know, the size of the Fox Lake phone book. Yeah, it was a thin book, as you would thin say. Books. Right. Fat book. Regular books cost too much. Uh huh. I'm going to play this again. Let's listen closely. I think to the to the general fan, that would be great. The, the hard part is that, you know, again, uh, a rookie guy coming in and learning, there's a lot of intricacies to our, to our offense with rules and assignments, not just running the ball, but in pass protection or running routes, different things. So we're, we're kind of easing him into it. I know it, everybody wants instant gratification and wants this, the, the great fantasy stats right away from week one. Um, but And we want production. You know, I, I love the kid. I think the kid's going to have a very bright future, but there's going to be a little bit of a weight here and uh, balance as to we figure out what's best and how to use him along with Mike and Tariq. I mean, it's fascinating. One thing about, and, and uh, Mark Potash and Dan Weider, this guy, we're so used to in all sports. The manager, the head coaches. Not you know, saying anything. Which is, Talking but saying nothing. Which is fine. Right. Which is fine. I think you and I have said for years, you know, why we don't want our favorite team's coach, head coach, manager giving away secrets. No, or, I don't mind if the general managers lie to you because they're, they're, they're not supposed to tell you that's everything. That's their job. Right. right. Now, not that he gave us any inside poop there that's going to say, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. I just gave away next week's game plan. Not saying that. But he's pointing out. Of the intricacies, you know, of his... Now, by not playing... I, I think I know the answer. But by not playing uh, the, you know, 22 regulars, actually the 35 guys they didn't play in most of the preseason, I'm not back on that topic, but were these were those, uh, you know, reps that a, a rookie like Montgomery needed? Or can they learn all these plays in the backfields, you know, at Hellas Hall, Bourbon, with no one to press, no one can watch, you know? I think they should be able to learn them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he has to have those in the game. No. No. You know, he should be able to learn them. Right. They should be able to learn them. And, mm-hmm. But a lot of times, if you're going to have three running backs, you're going to have certain plays for each individual back. Mm-hmm. You're not going to worry about uh, David Montgomery knowing the entire playbook and because you're not going to use him for some of the plays. You're going to use Mike Davis, or you're not going to use Mike Davis or David Montgomery. You're going to use Tariq Cohen for those plays. So you basically have plays set up for each of the individual uh, running backs. All right. we have a, On that topic, Fred, we have a Twitter poll here. Let's bring in the big bad uh, Sean. Uh, did Coach Nagy's play calling suffer because he didn't call plays in the uh, preseason for the first string offense? Now, I know that's a lot going on. Let me re- rephrase it. He looked like he, well, he had a bad game, Nagy. Yes, he did. Play calling. Yes, he did. Now, this has nothing to do with, you know, learning, you know, getting the regulars out there. They have to have the, you know, 30, 40 uh, reps in preseason. They did it last year. This is simply looking at Coach Nagy. And I don't think the answer is yes. But could the coach... Our coach, in this case, have felt either rusty or not totally ready for his big fat playbook calling because he didn't have time in uh, preseason one, two, three, four games with his regulars on offense. Let's first see what the fans said, then break this down. 
I, I think I know how I would vote. Uh, Coach Nagy's play calling. Did it suffer against the Packers because he hadn't called plays for the first string offense in the preseason? A, yes. B, no. C, maybe Murph, but I think it's a stretch. <laughs> what, are you, uh, what do we have there, Sean? 52% say yes. Play calling did suffer because he didn't call plays uh-huh. with the first string offense in preseason. And where'd the other votes come? 48% said no. And that was it. 52-48 for yes and no. That's amazing, Fred. Yeah. I don't... Uh... Those st- that's an amazing result when you think about it. That half the Bears fans are going to attribute, ascribe some of Nagy's terrible... Uh, in which he's self—he's admitted play calling in game one because maybe he wasn't in his own rhythm because he wasn't calling plays yeah. for his uh, regulars uh, in, in game one. Yeah, I don't because he called plays all last year. I don't think that had um, much of an effect because yeah. this was the worst game he's called since he's been here. But we have learned, yes. But we've also heard or learned that. He has, uh, they've said he only had 40% of his playbook in last year. Right. Uh, and you can therefore extend that to yeah, but a lot he's of time, got 100% now. Well, yes, but a lot of times some of that 40% is now gone. It's not like you have, you know, if you had 40 plays and now you have 100 plays, that's probably not the case. You probably had 40 plays. Now he added 60 more, but he also took away some other ones. You know what I'm saying? The odds are there are certain plays he ran I, last year he may I have taken away. I never heard of that. But, I mean, Well, you're not going to, I mean, you're, you're probably not going to, I don't know that you're going to go in, you know, having that many. I could be wrong, but I don't uh, know. I don't, yeah, you, you threw me off there. It could be. I mean, yeah. you're probably right. I never thought of it. Which then leads me to this question. <laughs> Remember, we talked in the first hour. The word "two" T O O is is very interesting uh, word because, uh, like we said in the first hour with Mark Potash, is it too much to, for a guy, a guy like uh, you know any head coach to call the plays and to handle? Uh, the head coaching, uh, uh, the timeouts, the philosophy, the big picture, the strategy. And he said, no, I don't think so. And Mark said, no, I don't think it's too much for a guy like Nagy to have both hats. Sure, I know he's got an offensive coordinator, but let's be, he's making the calls. Sure he is. You know. And he'll let, tell you he's making the calls. But yeah. let me ask you this, T-O-O. Could it be, now, you know, this is, this is you know, could it be his playbook is too big? Oh, how can it be? How, nothing, no. The more, the better. The more. I'll tell you where I bring this up. I think the only one, uh, a big playbook, only is going to have an effect on one guy, and that's the the quarterback. Because other guys are going to have, you know, there's going to be plays for this receiver, plays for this receiver, plays yeah. for that receiver, plays for this running back, mm-hmm. plays for that running back. Uh, blocking schemes, you're going to block. You're going to block left, right, up the middle. You're going to block here. You're going to block there. I am. So I would think, for the most part, the one that affects the most is Mitch. Well, you're right. You're exactly right. But here's why I say this. He seemed naggy that, I don't want to say he was over, was something happened where, you know, he didn't run it enough or, oh, well, we had a few uh, PR pass, run run pass options, you know. But, like, for the first show on Saturday, 
Yeah, sometimes I'll because it's once a week for you know right. us together, and then I'll come in. I, you know, you've seen me. I got all kind of notes, yeah. and sometimes at the end of the show, you got just as many notes. Well, I'll be getting on Metro. I go, oh, you know what? I never got to that one item, right? Because I had so many items there to look at, right? So, just a thought: Could it ever be? And I don't think so. Could it be? Nagy had a bad game, his worst game. He, you know, I should have done this more. I didn't do that. Is it possible? I mean, I think it's possible that maybe he's he's got so many plays in there that you know he gets he gets lost in the shuffle, the, the forest for the trees. Say what you want. That oh man, you know what? I never, I forgot I had page seventy two with a play for that for the fourth and ten. I mean, first down and ten. Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't either. Yeah, but you know. I just think he had an I just think he had an off day. So. You know, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll change when he takes on Denver. But that's going to be difficult when uh-huh. he's going up against a guy that makes uh, young quarterbacks look bad mm-hmm. in Vic Fangio, who's now the head coach of the Broncos. Ah, Vic Fangio. Yep. I heard this all week. Well, Vic Fangio, you know, he knows he, he knows Mitch, he knows the Bears. He, but did, did did many people do the flip of the coin? Well, wait a minute. Nagy knows Vic Fangio's defense, and he maybe knows how to pick that apart. In other words, Vic Fangio knows Matt Nagy's offense, and Matt Nagy knows Vic Fangio's defense. Who has the advantage? Fangio, Nagy, or it's equal? You can vote now at ESPN 1000. You're going to use that. You have that one up now? Because oh, yeah. we can do it again next Saturday. Well, that's been up since about 7 a.m. Yeah. But... Because all week, I mean, it, it, it was valid. Well, it be still careful. is. Oh, yeah. no, oh, no, it's yeah. totally valid. Well, you better watch it. Fangio knows the strengths and weaknesses of Trubisky, and he knows Nagy. And, which, of course, that's 100% true. Right. But I didn't hear much or any. Maybe I you know, miss a little, miss a lot. I try to listen all day. Was, was there much talk on the flip side that maybe Nagy knows exactly what Fangio's going to do and we can he can flip that around and knows the holes in Fangio's defense? I don't know what makes if you can do one if it goes one way doesn't it go both? Probably, huh? but yeah. I think you'd give more of an advantage to the the longer established uh, defensive coordinator uh, yeah. than you would uh, well, you know the second year head coach. Well, let's see how everybody voted on that. Sean, what did fans say? Fangio has the advantage, Nagy has the advantage, or it's uh, equal? 74% for Vic Fangio having the advantage. All right. Only 10% for uh, Matt Nagy and equal 17%. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's a landslide vote there. I, I knew it, you know, I was, I'm sure Fangio, would, I didn't think it'd be that far, Fred. Do you yeah. think it's different because of the way the first game went? If the Bears had dominated the Packers, do you think this would have <laughs> gone one. the same way? You know what? I don't know. Vic Fangio was so well-loved. Uh, a couple years ago when they were getting rid of John Fox, the biggest thing that the Bears fans wanted to do is make sure that Vic Fangio didn't leave. So I think the Vic Fangio fan club, and deservedly so, is huge for the Bears fans. So, um, this much, though, Fred? 74%? Huh? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Oh. It might be a little <laughs> high, but yeah. Yeah, they, they love Vic Fangio, what he was able to do last year. See, the people in Chicago love defense. But don't they love uh, Pagano? He held the Packers to 10. Nah. No. Nah, 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 not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> You're probably right. I'm sure there's a lot of Bears fans that don't know who the defensive coordinator is. I had to think for a second before I said Pagano. Right, because he's Chuck. not getting, he doesn't get nearly the publicity. Nah. Uh, you would think he would early, but, uh, uh. you know, as long as that defense plays well, 
then he'll uh-huh. get more and more. So they they played they played very well, except for a four play drive that went seventy four yards, and all of a sudden it, it, it led to the only touchdown. Well, did Ha Ha Dix uh, get burned? Yeah, no, he, he didn't. Unless he was sitting not too close to a heater. He wasn't in. <laughs> yeah, because he was not, not on the field. And uh, either was Hicks or about, Mack on the, on the bomb, from what I understand. What the heck were they doing? I got to go back and watch it again. What were they doing? I got to go watch the All-22. How many times are we going to hear that tomorrow? Did you hear? Did you I hear all the All-22. Did you hear Nagy, Nagy, Nagy? Tomorrow, Monday. Talk about that? Yeah. He said, he said you, you guys are going to watch the All-22. <laughs> He's talking to the media. Uh-huh. I used to call it press, but then I'd have to get the fedora with the P-R-E-S-S in my uh, headband like they did up in the press right. box. Right, that's what Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collins were there. Press! Uh, that's what and then Curly walks by and he says, pull. Yeah. Press, press, pull. Google it! Curly. Oh, people know the Stooges. Curly La Lambo? <laughs> no. Okay. I didn't know. I, it was nice to see a picture of Curly Lambo that he actually had curly hair. Sometimes guys are called Curly because they have no hair. But Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the old flipperoo. Right. Yeah, he was called Curly and actually had curly hair. Again, just to, release, just to let everybody know again, uh-huh. the Raiders have released Antonio Brown. Uh, he can sign with any team as a free agent uh, at 4 o'clock today, but cannot play tomorrow. So if, in fact, you have him on your fantasy team, I'm sorry. Would this be when someone signs him? It'd be like the A.J. Pruszynski. He might be a blankety-blank, but he's our blankety-blank. Well, it would be like A.J. Pruszynski, Dennis uh-huh. Rodman, oh, Bob yeah. Probert. I mean, Chicago's good at doing that, you know. <laughs> but I, there would be no reason for the Bears to bring but him in. But Jason Hayward's a nice guy, and he's our nice guy. You could have him. He's hitting 144 since August. August 1st, 144. If they that makes an error in the outfield yesterday. If they don't release... oh, You're there because you're a gold glover. How about that play? Yeah. And then you throw to the wrong base. Ten seconds. Hayward's in center. Lead off first inning. Brewers get a base hit. Man on first. Next guy makes up. Next batter, Yelich, gets a clean single to center. It's going to be first and second, you know, with one out. Two hops single. You know, a hard hit liner coming right. To, Hayward looks up to see whether the base runner is, and he boots it. It's rolling around. Oh, it's Kane, who had a, a bad, bad wheel, yep. Lorenzo. But all of a sudden, he turned it on. So Hayward gets suckered. He picks up the booted ball, and he launches it to third base. Safe. Not only that, the batter runner, as it's technically called at that point, Yelish, ends up at second base. Yep. What the heck's he doing? Yep. Remember what I said, Fred. Mark it today. You release Hayward at the end of the year. I don't care how much money he's got coming. Because if you have him, you'll play him. And if you play him, he'll kill you. That's it. He's back on the base on the football beat. <laughs> how about this? I've, we gotta take a oh, break. Oh, we do? Yeah. Sean, do we gotta take a break? You can say it on the air. Yes, I would appreciate that, Mark. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. No. Thanks, Sean. I missed it. I'm sorry. Back in a flash. You talked about that uh, 100-year uh, uh, tribute in the beginning of the uh, telecast on NBC, like just yeah. before kickoff. Uh-huh. Okay. That and the biggest shock in my life when I was watching that Bears-Packers game. Hey, three three two three seven seven six. any of earlier topics, jump in. That it's, he didn't try a 51-yard field goal? Back in a flash. That Well, that was number <laughs> 1A. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000.
back till noon. Murph and Fred, home stretch. Get to the phones in a uh, moment. I think, it, I think like at 1045 or 1055, some yeah. tequila would make the 11 o'clock even better. It, the 11 it, o'clock hour. It might not make it better, but it'll make it unique. More interesting, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh, real quick. So, I sent out some... I did something I never normally do this week. I sent out some... T- some texts to some old buddies of mine. I got a lot of friends over the years. They've uh, retired uh, to, down to you know Phoenix, okay. Arizona, Scottsdale. Yeah, down I there. love that area. You know, a lot of can't wait to get back there. A lot of the uh, some of the old left field with the original bleacher bums back from the day with yep. the yellow helmets and wild bills down there. The bear, you know, all the guys are down there, and uh, it never fails. It'll be uh, January. They're Chicago guys originally, so. You'll get that little text, or you'll get a, and it's, uh, you know, 12 degrees here, and it's right. a blizzard, and it's a 30 mile an hour, and they'll, t- 74 and sunny, uh-huh. you know, like, okay, what's the, okay, why are you doing that? Yeah. Right? You know, 78 and beautiful, what's the doing there? Well, I did the old flip flop, I turned it around on him. You okay. know what I did this week? It's 108 degrees in Phoenix every day this week. Okay. Right? Yeah, but it's a dry heat. Yeah. Uh-huh. It only feels like it's 85. Yeah. You know, it's not as dry as it used to be down there, but yes, you're right. So, Thursday here was 57 and sunny. Here? It, oh, yeah. It was like the first in the morning. Oh, in the okay. morning. It must be early, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. First little touch of fall. Yeah, because it was, it, when it was in the sun, it was, it, it was hot. But early in the morning, it was 57, thank you, yeah, in the morning. And touch of fall. Okay. And crisp, clear, be- uh, be- your type of weather. Oh, I love it. This, oh. is, this is perfect. So, All this week has been great. So I texted these guys, you know. I said, touch of fall in the... Now, these are all Chicago, so they know exactly what I'm saying. Right. First little touch of fall. It's 57 right now. It's beautiful. How's it doing there? I hear it's 108. Uh-huh. It was beautiful. And that was <laughs> another Murph uh, moment. I don't normally do that, but I couldn't couldn't help myself. All right, so just before kickoff, NBC, and they had a... This was a national game, obviously, and it was the 100-year... Here's what they called it, Fred. 100 years in 100 seconds. Okay. And they, you know, like, what would you like, a collage, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to be honest, I was here, so I missed this. All right. So. Well, here's what it was. I, I went back. Okay. Of the 100 seconds, what's that? One minute and 40 seconds? I think I can do that. Yep. A minute 40. 100 years and 100 seconds. And, uh, you know, there's a picture of, uh, there's a picture of that, and there's Walter Payton, and, and there's Montana, and there's Green, every One second on Jimmy Brown. Okay. Fine. One second on Sammy Baugh. Uh-huh. One second on Joe Namath. Okay. Again, no one had more than one second, so... And one second on uh, the game that uh, really made the NFL famous when the Colts beat the New York Giants and right. it came back in 58 or whatever, sudden death. Well, they call it the greatest game ever played? Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. So out of 100 seconds, there was only four seconds from the first 50 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Right. 100 seconds. 100 years. No. What it was was... 50 years in uh, 96 seconds. Okay. I understand. 
Remember there was someone about 20 years ago ran one of the TV networks and he says, if anyone puts a picture, when they, they got their game of the week. Right. Remember this is 25 years ago? And one of the networks, okay, we got game of the week Saturday or whatever, baseball. Remember the Eda came down? I don't remember. Yeah. But. Anytime, if I ever see a graphic of a guy that's dead, uh-huh. you're fired. Huh. Like, you know, the dog, oh, Babe Ruth hits, and it's the guy at home then, you know? Right. Sitting there, he sees a picture of Babe Ruth. Yeah. You're fired. I didn't know that one. Yeah. 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 I don't remember that. Eh, whatever. Huh. I was shocked. Oh. So, you know what shocked me the most about this Bears game? I'll tell you. This was a team that was built to score. Here, sure. Okay, let's go through it as Fred. Sure it was. Coach, also black, and they didn't do that either. <laughs> Coach Nagy, right? Team's built to score. Coach Nagy. Right. We got Brad Childress. Uh huh. It's a fun name to say. Childress. Childress. He's the offensive. He's the OC, right? I believe. No, no. Oh. The offensive coordinator is uh, Mark Helfrich. Thank you. Right. Okay, got got him. Right. We the, got a Brad Childress, don't we? Brad Childress is like your uh, consultant, offensive consultant. But, or something well, like that. okay, offense built to score. Yeah, I can get his official title. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what it, he is. That's so, coach. Ragone, the quarterback coach, right? right? So you got Nagy, Childress. Oh, he's a senior offensive assistant. Well, Brad Childress. Not, not offensive. Def- but not defense. No, offensive. Right. So let's do it. Nagy, they got Childress. They got uh, Helfrich, right? right? They got uh, Ragone. The offensive line, Harry Heist. He stand. He stand. Uh-huh. He stand. We all stand for ice cream, right? Now, they got Cornell Patterson, right? Offense. Uh-huh. The new David Montgomery. Right? The new Mike. Davis, the Mike other Davis. Uh, the three-headed oh, again, back he'll be with me on Monday at oh. Bannerman's. Hey, you know, he's very good. He's uh-huh. very good. Uh, uh, second year, Tariq Cohen. Third year, Tariq Cohen. Second year, Alan uh, Robinson. Taylor uh, Gabriel. The, the and Reese. Anthony Miller. Oh, Anthony Miller. You name Miller. it. You never, got them all. Never saw him. Right. And they're built to score. Uh-huh. Unacceptable. I think the playbook's too big. I know everyone's going to laugh at me. I think he's got too much in there. Yeah. And his mind gonna... blurs over during the uh, key parts of the game. Yeah, he's been doing this long enough. I'm thinking that, uh, he, you know, he just gives, he gives uh, Tariq Cohen, these are your dozen plays. These are David Montgomery. These are your six plays. And so when he plays for, like, get him in open space, they love that phrase. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Do you remember the phrase, that a striker play? I brought this up a couple years ago. Uh-huh. So Dougie used to use that all yeah. the time. OB uses right. it, Dougie, all the guys that knew Hallis. Right. Hallis had for 50 years in the offensive playbook striker plays, which meant red, now it's called red zone. It was how to get a touchdown when you're inside the 20, just like the word. Yeah. It's a striker. But you heard you heard Nagy the other day talk about hit their red zone. They weren't in the red zone. He goes, we didn't. They were on the 16, weren't they? He goes, we're, he goes, we're, we want to do this in the red zone. We'll bet, what, what, one play? Yeah. He said at the very end of the game. It was two minutes, 17 seconds. They're first and 10 on the 16. Yeah. That was, I think that was your only time in the red zone. Oh, it was. Yeah. But the whole game. So you can call it a red zone play, a striker play. And, uh, you know what that means? Boom! Just what a strike. You uh-huh. put the ball in the end zone. My gosh. 
heck? Let's Who go to they the- throw it to? They don't. They don't have. Uh, how about Adam Shaheen? Your guy, Adam Shaheen, had an opportunity. Couldn't hold on to the damn ball. He dropped it. Yeah. He got stripped. He clearly dropped the ball, and I was so aggravated. And it's then like, he drew- you got the chance, and then he tried to convince the guy that he held on. He to had it. a step in and step and a half. He got oh, stripped. Oh my god! And then the ball rolled out of bounds. Yep. Right. Yep, and he tried to say oh, it's the oh, half. It doesn't matter. You did not have He's it. He's not my guy anymore. Okay, I mean, I try, that's good I, for you, actually. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it's not good for him. No, let's go to uh, Josh. He says he's in Idaho. Hello, Josh. Hey, fellas. Great, great to be on there today. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure, What's going on, Josh. The one thing I just I can't I can't stomach this not playing in the preseason talk anymore. Like, I mean, Nagy not playing calls correctly because they're not calling plays correctly because uh, he didn't have any preseason reps with his number ones. If anybody knows the offense, it's the head coach. And, yeah, don't get me wrong, sometimes he may have been a little bit late and less punctual than he should be on calling plays in, but he did that in the middle of the season last year. So uh, as far as the play calling goes, I mean, clearly I think we can say that uh, not running the football was was the biggest uh, problem with the play calling, but I can't take it anymore with this whole. Uh, you know, if if Tom Brady is good enough to play in the preseason, then Mitchell Trubisky should be playing in the preseason. Just because it's the old way doesn't mean it's the right way. Let me ask you a question, and, Josh. Josh, last year the Bears yeah. had the Bears offensive line last year had eleven holding calls. They had they got called four times for holding on on Monday. Do you think that had, could have something to do with them not taking any preseason snaps in the, against an opposition? I, I do think it's a conditioning problem. But I don't think it has anything to do with taking meaningless reps in preseason that you could be getting injured when there there's no. I mean, I thought that maybe Cam Newton getting hurt in the preseason this year might be an indication that everyone else should jump on board right. and maybe not play their starters as much. Like you can get your reps in practice and run some extra gassers during the week, but I don't think that you should be starting your you're playing your starters. In a game that the win doesn't matter. No, I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I don't think most fans are saying that, but it, it, it's not like Nagy didn't, you know, played the guys a little bit. He didn't play them at all. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky took three snaps and handed the ball off three times. The offensive line wasn't out there for most of the time. They were just standing on the sideline. And, um, and you're right about the conditioning, I, though. The conditioning of the defense was miserable. And I hear you, my man, and I watched every snap of the preseason as well. And it is, you know, as dull as dull as it can be, it's. Uh, I think it's just. I think it's for what it's good for, and that's just finding out who your second and third stringers are going to be. But I don't. This whole uh, oh, did, are they? Did they play terrible because they didn't play in the preseason? You know what? Hey, I just think that here within the next two three years, there won't be a single team playing their preseason or playing their starters during the preseason because of injuries that are going to happen. You know, just like Cam Newton. I think, uh, I bet you next year Cam Newton doesn't play a preseason snap. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I just, I don't see the league trending in the way of, uh, you know, stay with the, you know, stay with the old. I mean, clearly it used to be all running, all defense. You know, that's the way football used to be. And now it's a passing league. Eventually, the league will adapt and realize that, oh, just because it's the old way doesn't mean it's the right way. He just is like Idaho, Josh. Josh don't, Thanks, Josh, don't be a stranger. Good call. Thank you, you buddy. It, Let's go to, uh, well, we went from Idaho. You ever been to Idaho? Never. 
I drove through it on uh, my Amtrak, uh, the Empire Builder, okay. from Union Station to Seattle. And you zip right there through Idaho for a few minutes up north. Let's go then, f- very close now, Old Town. <laughs> let's go to uh, North Avenue, Wells. Uh, let's bring in uh, George. He's probably over on Wisconsin. Not hey, in, George. Not in Wisconsin. On with- Hello, George. Murph, you need to start calling the place. We need to get Tariq Cohn in space. How about a safety valve, for God's sake? Or I never saw a draw play. We're up. We hold them minus 17 yards in the first three plays. Send, send them downfield and, and get a touchdown. I mean, for God's sake, it was, there was no innovation. I'm so disappointed. Hold that thought. George, you know, that I think George is right. Now, maybe the draw play is no longer in vogue, or maybe it's something that Nat, Nagy, that Nat Maggie, I almost call him, that Nagy doesn't use. Right. But that used to be really effective. There's play action. There's the draw play. It holds the, you know, I know enough to know it holds the, off, the defensive rush, you know, and gives you an extra you second. You want to get that linebacker. Get well, that yeah. linebacker. Right. RPOs are kind of like the version well, of the draw plays you're now. You're exactly right. right. See, Fred raises a good point, George. That is the run has option. You sort of hold it and you can... It's sort of like a draw play maybe, right? Absolutely. I mean, a draw... How about, you know, those, those plays with Burton up the middle where there's like a screen? Uh, you know, they could use Tariq Cohn as uh, a Russ Welker. Let him get in space underneath and it'll develop things downfield. Where is the new space program? The Space Force? We got... Thank you for your call, John. We got to get these guys into space. I couldn't believe it. They can't get Cohen into... Then what do you have Cohen for? Well, that's probably what Tariq is trying to figure out. That's why he uh, was fielding all the punts instead of letting them bounce. I don't get it. Just don't get it. Cohen is the most... One of the most dangerous guys in the game. He could be. Yep. If you just get him in open over there. They'll try, what and uh, Vic Fangio will know that they're going to try and get Tariq Cohen open. That's why I think this Dave, this game against Denver, uh, it's it's going to be a David Montgomery game. David Montgomery and uh, maybe some of the wide receivers. But if you know that Vic Fangio is going to concentrate on stopping, taking away Tariq Cohen and Allen Robinson. So now if you're Matt Nagy, you're going to have to figure out other ways to go about attacking the Denver defense. Did Nagy not know that Burton wasn't going to play? I mean, did you, Fred, ever think he was going to play? I never thought he was going to play. No, and even if he was going to, I didn't think he was going to be that, you know. Is he that important? Integral. Uh, to the offense, that that they're, is, that but they're they, impotent they, without him against the Eagles and the Packers. Well, he is, but they've had enough time since that Eagles well, game to figure out how to how to run an offense without him as well, a tight end. That's what I'm saying. Were yeah. they surprised that he wasn't there? Final thoughts, Murph and Fred, back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Yeah, we were talking about was the game boring? You know, like baseball, it's boring. Okay, this is Kenny Owens from LaGrange Park. Says, Murph, all they got to do is juice the ball, the football. Be just like baseball, juice it. Yeah. (laughs) Put some helium in instead of I. Do you ever think of that if you put helium in the ball? There's a long punt. It's still there. <laughs> hang time. What is this? Yeah. The hang time is going to be really good. It's a, it's over the Prudential building. Yeah, the ball's up in the air. Tariq Cohen has a sandwich and waiting for it. So and, and I'll be interested to see because there are other teams that did not 
play their starters much in the preseason. I am eager to see what happens tomorrow. A full slate mm. of games, except yeah. for the Monday night games. Um, so tomorrow you got a ton of games. We had a doubleheader for you here on ESPN 1000 starting at noon. Two games in the NFL. And uh, I'm, I'm eager to see if other teams have the same problem with their offense that the Bears and the Packers did. The Bears' defense was good. You know, it's not like the Packers played well offensively. The Packers offensively, you know, the Bears were bad on third down. The Bears were three for 15. The Packers were two for 12. Yeah. So the combined five for 32 on third down. That made for a bad game. Now, how much of that had to do with the defenses? How much of that had to do with a brand new offense in, in Green Bay and just the Bears making some bad plays and bad calls in their offense? So you're telling the odds couple to uh, take the under on all the I games? I would take some of the unders, huh? yeah. You know, maybe they adjust the under. I, I'd be interested to see how they adjusted some of the unders after Thursday's game. Maybe they did. Hey, real quick, I was thinking of you this week. I was thinking when they fire all the uh, baseball umpires, you know, and just yeah. go with Robo, they'll still need need an actual ump to stand behind home plate, let right. the earpiece, his arm will go, sure. Sure, right. and he can uh, do like uh, you know, Les- dance. Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> but they'll still have to have someone there to put the pump up or down or maybe a home plate. Home plate guy. You'd be perfect. You can, I can see you down there. I'd rather do it from uh, upstairs. Oh, well, no, no, but screen. I'd like to see you right there. You got the mask, and yeah. the, you can have the old balloon uh, chest protector. You got your blue pants. Blue. Yeah, strike one. Well, think about it. The only You could have even more of a more protection if you're back there since you don't have to bend down to, to watch the pitch. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, they will be watching each and every pitch because yeah. if there's a malfunction, they have to make the call. And what will be great is there'll be no more framing. Thank God. And no more stats. Oh, Wilson Contreras, he's a bad framer. But it, uh, it Mi- make, Miguel Montero, he was a good framer. It, it, what gets me even more aggravated is when <laughs> a catcher catches a ball wrong and yeah. and he takes a strike away from his own pitcher. Well, that's that's framing in the opposite way. That happens so oh, sure. often. And there's numerous times oh, where yeah. if, you watch, uh, if you watch Wilson Contreras... Um, I almost said Jose Contreras. Could you see Jose Contreras catching? Uh, if you watch Wilson Contreras, he'll set up right. on the far side of the plate. Yeah. And he'll catch a ball, which should be a strike, but he's not set up where you think right. he should be set up. Well, right, because people think that framing is only when you're sucking a ball in. back in right. to fool the ump. The ump shouldn't be fooled. They're, no. They're morons. He should realize where but, the guy's situated. But the opposite is you can lose a strike, especially like a Lester, throwing the left-handed the hard slider down and into a righty, and you're... Glove catches it in the zone, but then drags your glove out because it's got so much bang on it. To yeah. the other, and then the ump, oh, it must be a ball. And, you know, oh, it's raining, and it's the ump's going to call everything a strike now to try to hurry the game. No, that's not. That won't happen. No, that's, and I was also. Uh, you know, I know, and Cap asked three different players this week. Uh-huh. Three, two former players and one current player. Did he name them? He asked, well, he asked Rizzo. Oh. And then he asked the two guys he worked with, Doug oh. Glanville oh, s- and, and, um, Oh, yeah. David DeJesus about having the computerized strike zone. All three of them said they weren't for it, but the umpires have to be better. Well, the umpires aren't going to get better. They've been calling baseball for 
a million years. Well, they all lied. They're politicians. They don't want the word to get around to the umpires that, oh, Riz, I understand you don't like me back. You don't want me back here. Strike three! Bounces in the dirt. You got to go You got to go with sure the automated strike zone. I'm sure they did not mean gotta it. You got to go with the automated strike zone. Pitchers are going to hate it because they're going to have to come across the plate a little bit more. Bob, Downers We got 30 seconds. Can you do it, Bob? Go! Yes, I can. You know, this whole thing of these guys will get hurt in preseason. Well, what, what makes you think they're not going to get hurt in a regular season? I mean, they got to rehearse their movements and their positioning. And most of all, you got a big problem if, if they're not in shape when they report to preseason anyway. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think there's a lot of guys that Thanks, they might have been in shape. They mm-hmm. might have been standing around on the sideline for the three preseason games. And then after the first quarter, or late in the first quarter of the, of the first game with the Packers, they were exhausted because they hadn't run around this much with that kind of anxiety. Well, when do they get up in the uh, high, thin yeah. air? Yep. Oh. I don't like the way this next Sunday's shaping up, but we'll be here before that. We will. Yeah. We'll be here on uh, Saturday for two hours only next week, so you better tune in right at 9 because we're here 9 to 11 next week. We're leaving at 11? Uh-huh. Ah. One more than 10. I know where I'm going. A little German joint down the street. It's a perfect time. It'll ah. be the start of Oktoberfest. I can pretend I'm Jesse. Get some brats with uh, sauerkraut and Dusseldorf. Thank our guests. It'll be September 14th, start of Oktoberfest. <laughs> You already started it back in June. Thank I had one last night, Goose Mark Island. Potash sometimes, Jesse, the little guy, Rogers, Dan, Weeder, er, er, er. Sean Davis, all of his help as always. And don't go anywhere. It is Chicago's College Tailgate coming up right after this. Jay Hood, the birthday boy. Murph and Fred. Say Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Happy birthday, Jonathan. See you later, everybody.